I'm Vincent Green and this is the Spider Fan Family Hour. We're back with episode 3 and once again I'm joined by No John Tuhi. Say hi, hello, no. hi guys, I hated this fucking movie. So, no, right, since I started you off real nicely, I was kind of like, it was nearly like a reverse compliment sandwich because I gave you the two nice things first uh-huh. and then I gave you the horrible thing to end it with. Not absolutely right. true. So yeah. when I brought you on to start off this trilogy, we knew we were going to end up here at some stage. So like we knew the first two movies were solid, and we knew the third one was going to be atrocious. And so, right, uh, what is your initial thoughts? Were you happy with the movie, or should we keep that to later on and we just kind of well, work through it? Earlier, I, I was walking down to your house and you were with me, and I said to myself, I said to you, sorry, that uh, I felt like I broke a vow to myself. We went to see this in the cinema 13 years ago together. And I swore to myself that that would be the last time I'd watch this movie. So I said, I've enjoyed this experience tremendously. Uh, going through these films with you but today I felt like a broken man <laughs> <laughs> like, like um, Spider-Man 3 for me was so disappointing when it came out first that when I bought the DVDs I was like a real completionist when it comes to in um, the collections or like series or franchise so if I start one I'll try to get them all like and I had Spider-Man 1 and 2 for a good 6 or 7 years before mm-hmm. I, I even thought about buying Part 3 because it was so disappointing yeah. but um, like I, I, you probably asked the guy who saw it to spit in your mouth as he was doing it. Yeah. You know, like, can I buy this? And if you want it, like, right there in the mouth. Yeah. And I'll swallow it because yeah. I'm a dirty bitch. Yeah. It's like, I have no shame left right yeah. now. Yeah, yeah. It's that bad, man. It's... It, it was like, it was um a very bitter t- a pill, a very bitter pill to swallow. Hard to say it, I thought. You got, you got it out. Um, so it was a very bitter pill to swallow compared to, like, our excitement was running truly up from part one and part two like yeah oh i think we need to delve i would love to delve into just how much my excitement was up like yeah. back in the day because oh when we seen the first like teasers and the first trailers of spider-man 3 we were made aware pretty early that venom was going to be involved and like when you were a kid we talked about this earlier you never thought you'd see venom in a movie but no. you thought if you did there's no way you could do it wrong. No. <laughs> you know what I mean? You could hit me of cool. Yeah, you know what I mean? Like, like, And something we were talking about earlier a little bit that we said we touch on is like, to shoot back to Spider-Man 2 for a second, in Spider-Man 2, they introduced John Jameson, who, if anyone's a fan of the comic books and a fan of the 1990s animated Spider-Man TV series, that he's intrinsically linked with this, how the symbiote even arrives on Earth. May I? Yeah. Oh yeah, work away, you jump in. Yeah, so like J uh sorry, uh J. Jonah Jameson's son, it was a uh an astronaut. So he was coming back and crash landed <coughs> in New York City with an alien specimen. And who better to come and save them in a time of crisis in New York City than Spider Man? So when Spider Man integrates with the um alien uh, artifact that had been brought back, there was an organic nature to it. There was a reason why Spider Man got there before a cop got there before an ambulance crew before one of the pilots uh, astronauts sorry got there and there was and then they were like and then it attached to him and then it all unfolded and i know we suspend our disbelief i know we suspend our disbelief but i'm sorry but hanging out in a park and just having a meteor kind of shoot down from space and attached out of all places in the world your scooter and you just happen to be the most powerful powerful human being in the entire world it was just so insultingly bad for such a great character that 
I cannot agree with anymore that they introduced the character that, that in the comic books brings back the specimen and mm-hmm. then just completely failed to use it. Like, first, it's the first major, major fuck up. Like, where you want to like a film, but at the same, at the same time, there's unforgivable aspects. That was the first unforgivable. That so, you think, like... Like to me, it made no sense when you introduced John Jameson in in Spider Man Two, to like obviously they had him earmarked at some stage. I assume like why else have him in the series if he was not to be the character that was the intro- the way or like you know the entry point for Venom into the storyline. Like like when you look at John Jameson, like there's no real like other like there's not really much special about the character like in his mythos than the fact that he was the astronaut that was the cause for Venom coming to Earth in the first place. So to introduce him and then not use him at all, he's not even in Paratree, like, you know what I mean? Not even at all. And, like, obviously, like, we're going to talk about the reason Venom was probably introduced so poorly is because Sam Raimi didn't want him in the movie at all in the first place. And the producer shoehorned him in. And so, like, do you think that the reason Sam Raimi just kind of, like, went a bit laissez-faire where he was just like, let's throw him in here, let's throw him in here, and, like, and he just, he was an afterthought, like, you know. If, I mean? you're going to, if you're going to ask me, and I'm basing this, and I would like to say to anyone listening that I'm basing this on absolutely nothing, I'm just going to um, say what I think is that they probably had the layout of a script, and he kind of goes, now I have to slam Venom into it. Mm. And he's going, right, I suppose when they're here in the park, we could they're looking to shoot stars, and I can introduce him here, and I guess, I guess I could, you know, the, the symbiote can hear, I can change his attitude without changing the, the layout I had too much, and then at the end I'll have to change a lot. And that's what I'll do. Uh, and it was. It, I, I think Sam, Ra- Sam, Sam Raimi fucked up this film. Yeah. But Sam Raimi did not do that by himself. So I'm not giving him a pass. And I love Sam Raimi. But I'm yeah. not giving him a pass. But at the same time, I don't think it lies squarely on his shoulders. This is producers waving their dicks around. And mm. it fucks with films so often. Um, but yeah, I, I, I just think he, he panicked. You have to understand that you've introduced Sandman. You had to do something with James Franco. Yeah. You had to. At the end of the, the, the end of the first film, his dad was killed. At um, the end of the second film, he discovers that his dad was the goblin and all the technology. Yeah. And then, and the third film, he's fallen out with Peter. He knows he's Spider-Man. It has to come to something. So they had to do something with him. And then you have to put Venom into it. And then you have to... Then, after all that, you have to put Spider-Man into a Spider-Man film. Yeah. You know what I mean? You haven't even introduced your main character and it already sounds like the workload is too much so it's like in this um in the first spider-man movie david co-op wrote it in the second one alvin Sargent wrote it. i got that wrong last week my bad but like this time there was three writers it's like sam raimi i think ivan raimi and alvin Sargent. and do you think this is kind of one of those cases too many what's that saying too many too cooks, many cooks spoil the broth yeah too many cooks spoil the broth so do you think that's kind of one of those i'm actually going to controversially say no yeah. in the sense that I'd say they got together and said, right, Sandman, the bad guy, we have James Franco integrated as well, we can have a lot of action scenes. And then and then somebody comes in and goes, no, 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 the money men yeah. need Venom. Don't and then I think three, three writers that I, I, I like to write, and I'm not, I'll am not, i never be on these guys' level, so I don't get to, I'm not trying to shit on them, yeah. but they go like, well, 
fucking hell, man. It's, yeah. it's a two-hour or 15-minute film. So you think there's definitely a version of this without Venom in it at all? I do. I yes. believe so. I, yeah. I, mean, I mean, I believe so. And I'm sure somebody might hear this and, and know I'm wrong, but I believe so. Yeah, of yeah. course. It seems they, that way. They made a film, but they knew. But the whole thing about Venom is that Venom is integrated into Spider-Man, the person. He, he meets by becomes a part of Spider-Man he integrates with Spider-Man's powers he separates from Spider-Man into a person who hates Spider-Man and that makes them the we that is Venom and it's beautiful it's one of my, it's one of my favourite if not my favourite bad guy anti-hero whatever you want to call him yeah. in comics but they, they shoehorned it in in the most inexcusable way and as much as I was eager to see Venom I was under the idea that this was going to be a good film and at the end of it and I can't believe I'm saying this I walked out of the cinema and went why was Venom in that movie yeah like I think that's the problem like it's like you'd rather have a character be absent than to be shoehorned in like you know what I mean of course no absolutely and like I think that the fact that you have like you named off Sandman the new iteration of the Goblin and um, Venom as the kind of the the, um, the villains in this film and it shows once again how deep Spider-Man's rogues gallery is like if you look at him, huge. Like he's probably the only superhero that's had a different like that's had so many movies, but yeah, has a different villain in every single yeah. film. He has a Sinister Six. You know what I mean? It's, it's you know, crazy. Yeah. Like, and outside the Sinister Six, he still has awesome characters like uh, mm. Craven and stuff like that. Like and Venom Craven's and Carnage. Good, exactly. You know what I mean? Like yeah, yeah. and like you look at you have Craven, Venom, and Carnage, and you're like, like, like and then you have the Sinister Six. That's nine high level villains. Mm. You know what I mean? And I think that's always been one of the appeal of appeals of Spider-Man not just to the general public but to studios and filmmakers because you can constantly like it's nearly like James Bond you can constantly have a new Spider-Man for a new generation and not have it feel all hacked because you have a new villain every single time like you know what I mean I am a comic like I mean I think I am the comic books where you probably are the films like, yeah. I, I would absolutely tip my cap to Vinny in terms of films and, and Vinny's a huge comic book guy but, he, but I would probably be I, I you know would read yeah. slightly more comics and all this kind of stuff so that's kind of where we balance each other out and in the comics I can honestly say I can't think of anyone that has and to use your words rogues gallery yeah. I actually think surprisingly The Flash has actually a really really yeah. good range it's, it's not often touched upon but not like Spider-Man yeah no absolutely right between like the Vulture and Mysterio yeah. and Doc Ock and yeah you know what I mean like I'm talking about Shocker like you know what I mean? Right now, yeah, yeah. So right now, like you yeah. said, there's yeah, there's, there's, there's like Doc Connors in this toy is in Spider-Man Two Lizard, and, three, yeah. and he becomes Lizard. You know what I mean? Like one thing you have to say about like uh, the world of Spider-Man lives in, it's like filled with peril and danger all the time, but it's also filled like with so many interesting characters and characters mm-hmm. that can punch. Yeah. We were talking about the Wonder Woman nineteen eighty four. It wasn't. It was. It wasn't the best. Film. I didn't. I didn't like yeah. as much as you. But they gave her a bad it's guy. Terrible people. She. They integrated a bad guy that could fight her on her level. Yeah. And that's what Superman in two thousand and six. We touched upon in the last podcast was missing. Superman doesn't have enough bad guys that he can just punch in the face, and yeah. that person can get back up and punch him in the face. Yeah. But Spider Man, Spider Man has so many guys he can punch in the face yeah. and get punched in the face by. He's a he, he and, and and integrated with his power set that they can fight through the city. They've never done a better. The, the problem with God creating godlike characters is that you have to create devils. Exactly. You know what I mean? Like you need someone to be on a par with them. So when you create one deity, the story is not interesting until you create two, three, four, five wrong. deities. You know wrong. what I mean? And that's the problem when you have god level superheroes is because of that sense of danger is not there, and that's why you have to introduce something like Kryptonite for Superman because. 
you need to create a sense of peril. And like, there's very few superheroes that have a sense of peril. Like, he only lives in New York. But, Sp- yeah, but Spider-Man can always have a sense of peril. Because mm. even like his power he's not sense... Invincible, like. Yeah, he's not invincible. And his power mm. sense, the sense of peril can sometimes come from the people he's trying to save. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it's a, fa- like, it's a falling steel beam. And Spider-Man could catch that from 100 you know, a hundred feet above, catch yeah. it, hurt himself a little bit, but be okay. Uh, me, you, the, the 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 person on the ground, yeah, couldn't, and he has to save them, and and that's. But a, you a, don't catch steel girders. Yeah. No, <laughs> not ever since I hurt my leg. Right? It's kind Jesus. of shitty of you to bring this that up. This guy doesn't catch steel girders, people. Okay, so I hurt my leg a couple of years ago, and he keeps reminding oh, me about the my leg steel, again. Yeah, about my steel girder days. <laughs> so like. We we kind of kind of talking a bit broad. Um, we're kind of talking a bit broadly at the minute, and um, so I want to kind of circle back to the movie a bit more. So, like in this is the kind of the first one where you really see at the start of the movie the Spider Man's on the up, like literally at the zenith probably of his not only like uh, happiness but his public acceptance by the general uh, the general no population question. in New York like no he's like swinging in and he's like on the the big uh, Titan Tron or whatever they call the huge TVs in Times Square and there's like a big Spider-Man face on it and now he's become New York superhero like and did you like that angle because like it kind of fed in to Peter Parker's ego and hubris and stuff as he went yes. along like I actually did because I knew I, I remember going to the cinema and seeing it was like, hi, I'm Peter Parker and also Spider-Man. And he narrates himself a little bit. And uh, again, these Jumbotrons or whatever you call them. Like Jumbotron. NY, Hart, Spidey. Uh, you know, like they absolutely loved him. So even though he wasn't like materialistically, um, you know, benefiting from it, he was appreciated. Mm. Uh, and I said, you know what? They can do a lot with this because they can like, again, what they did do maybe quite well was made MJ a bit jealous because the appreciation of Spider-Man and she was struggling in her yeah. craft and uh, no she was successful at the start she was successful but what mm. then but then when she's tossed yeah, aside dwindling it's as Zen, mm. to use your word Zenith when he's reaching that kind of peak of his and uh, I thought yeah they can use this this is good like this is Spider-Man's finally feeling himself and now he's about to face his biggest challenge yeah and that's the most comic book thing ever total side note if you're swinging around New York and you're Spider-Man, you're earning no money for it. You see all this merchandise with your face on it. Oh, yeah. How pissed off would you be? <laughs> yeah, I'd be shaking guys down for insurance money. I wouldn't be a good yeah, Spider-Man. Neither would I, because yeah. I'd be like, uh, who's seen the money for this merch? You know what I mean? <laughs> I'd be all like, it sure would be a shame if somebody was yeah. come down and spider ball web this place that's oddly specific and he thought I don't know stuff happens do you think it would make more sense for Peter Parker instead of being Spider-Man's photographer if he was his merchandise agent or something absolutely you know but it's totally off topic but um, so we go through the movie anyway and it starts and then um, he says he mentions how his life is going great and like once again the showman class of Doc Connors and stuff who we mentioned earlier becomes the lizard but not in this iteration for some reason I think um, they set it up uh, I think they set it up as a possibility just to, to play it safe it's good to integrate the world of Spider-Man mm-hmm. so I don't I don't fault him for that there was the one-armed professor and that that, that right there is the integration are you the thinking that he should have been a villain or do you think he was going to be a villain later on I think um, I think uh, it's like back in a horseboat ways I think Sam Raimi wanted to expand on the world of Peter Parker and why not? Again, we were talking about how rich his rogues gallery is and why not just have like uh, Eddie Brock, the photographer, and Dr. Connors, the professor, 
this is something we were talking about earlier. I said Eddie Brock should have been introduced in Spider Man Two, and that way you can hugely you can actually <clears throat> save so much time in Spider Man Three by building his hate for Peter Parker in Part Two as a side character. You just cast someone that's a, like maybe a slightly B level actor, someone definitely better than Topher Grace, but like someone that has a few chops that doesn't have a big name that doesn't mind to be a side character in one movie because of the prelude to the next one, which. The fact that he brought wasn't introduced in part two probably shows Venom was not yeah. supposed to be in part three. Like. And us nerds and stuff, uh, uh, I uh, I was watching just a superhero film last night. I think I uh, I don't think I'll get into it because, but it was like, oh, my name is such such thing, and I I I comic nerdgasm. I went, I know who this person is. You yeah. all know this, but this person, yeah, integrated. Yeah. And, and the kind of you know, in art fifty two, you know, they yeah. you know, like they they integrated this person, and I was like. Or, you know, comic nerdgasm. Are you talking and about Wonder Woman 84? Right? I am, and I'm talking about Maxwell Lord. Okay, fine. Yeah. Is everyone fucking happy there? Yeah. Uh, but uh, One of the poorest uses of a good car- a character actor I've ever seen. Pedro Pascal did more good acting with a Mandalorian helmet on him in the entire run of Mandalorian so far than he did in Wonder Woman without a mask on. That's the <laughs> get back on topic slap. <laughs> you know you yeah. heard the slap, I'm glad you heard the I, slap. I just want people to know. But... Uh, he, but so, right, we, we jump back in the Spider-Man trailer. Yeah, sorry, but we were just talking about Eddie Brock. If he'd been introduced in the yeah, second, it would have just felt organic. Yeah, more uh, Do you remember even something? This is the most simple thing I think was ever been done in a superhero film. It was so effective. Yeah. Batman Begins. Yeah. At the end, uh, Bruce, uh, sorry, uh, Gordon, Commissioner Gordon, yeah. gives Batman a Joker card. Yeah. That was it. They never touched upon him. That was good they literally that. gave him a Joker card. And he went, I'll look into it. And we, yeah. I, I, and my comic nerd brain went, well, like it wasn't complicated. Yeah. You know? But I went, oh my God, the Joker. They just like, did you figure that out? Like I did. <laughs> there was something about the Joker card when you gave it to Batman. So I and everybody was, else in the cinema was like, I don't know what that I walk into your like, house, you've got a murder board up. Yeah. <laughs> and you got like tread going right. through this guy. Yeah, yeah. The character Joker card. You have all these comics torn up. Don't you see, Minnie? <laughs> They're going to use Joker in the second film. You're like, I know. Yeah. <laughs> I knew by the card. But they didn't. They didn't use... I know they didn't set this film up in any way. Yeah. And then the, the word I use, I, I think I've used the word ten times today, and I, I honestly can't think there's a better word, and the word is shoehorn. Yeah. They shoehorn Venom in, yeah. and because he took up a certain amount of time, not a lot, actually, yeah. to be fair, but they had, to sh- they had this cut back on James Franco's Goblin, and they had to cut back on Sandman. Yeah. And, and then, for some reason, they decided that we need three, count of three, Mary Jane Watson songs. <laughs> yeah, that, that's a real point of umbrage with you, isn't it? Like, it yeah. drives me crazy. Like, it has for 13 years. It drives me crazy. Like, it really lays me um, when you have a very set limited time of like you have two hours and 15 minutes or whatever, however long it ran. Yeah, it was a long movie. Yeah, but you have a very set limited time and you waste scenes when you have three villains. Like, yeah. All of those scenes you just mentioned of Mary Jane Watson singing, you could have had character building for any one of those villains. Anyone. And when you see like how ridiculous it gets off, uh, off, um, like uh, uh, kind of ridiculously off, off the market gets when you, like you have Peter Parker dancing around a jazz club and stuff like that later on in the movie, like it just like it was a mess and muddle of different tones. He was trying to add this like strange, nearly campy style of humor on top of like this kind of dark undertones he was trying to manifest with the Venom character that never came off as dark or menacing, it just came off as silly and like emo ish and. 
Like it was like he was whingy more, and he was like there was no submersiveness. Yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? I I, I did not. We were talk. We've talked about uh, Superman of two thousand and six, and again, I, yeah. I know we keep circling off of him. So I just want to make a point quickly, and that was that the reason I failed is that I didn't give Superman something to punch yeah. in like in Lex Luthor. Like they just didn't execute it in that way. Yeah. Um, but the world was so submersive. I mm. found I, I found the, the, the nature of it, the timeliness of it, uh, the, the way, the aesthetic of it. I felt I felt really submerged in it and I thought a second one would have been great because I thought they did such a great version of establishing the world. Yeah. But this film, I just <coughs> felt like they dropped Peter Parker in it and I was like, you know what, I'll be, uh, I'll be, you know, my nor- normal nerdy self and then I'll be overconfident, then I'll be cocky and then I'll be, uh, you know, aggressive. And it, but I, that's fine, do that, but lost any sense of itself. Do you know? It like, just felt like it was five films that were thrown together. Like, like the way they portrayed the evilness and stuff like that. I think, like, what we do is we'll jump back a bit, right? Because we were talking about Venom earlier and we were talking about the introduction of that character and we're going to use that. I think we lead on, lose that to lead on to our other points because that way we can kind of get back on track, right? So, right, we introduce Venom, he jumps on the back of Peter Parker's scooter, he scoots on off and stuff. And like the next sequence, isn't it, where they introduce Sandman, um, or in and around that part of the movie. You're talking about when they actually. Yeah, I want to talk about the jailbreak, where, as you said earlier, he breaks out of jail, and the first place he goes is home. But yet the police aren't there waiting for him. Which they're actually driving on the alley, and they're, <laughs> they're they're shining their lights. Yeah. And he jumps up a a ladder, a sca- uh, fire fire, uh, yeah, fire escape ladder. And he goes into his own apartment. It's like the one, like they were looking down the alley by his apartment, mm. but not in the apartment. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it's just like um, the clothes he was wearing. Is that supposed to be his prison uniform? I was just thinking. No, about you it. know what? Like this is the thing I'm going to give him a complete. I'm going to give him a complete pass on it because, like, <laughs> comic book nerds like me, who quite often, even when we're mm. appeased to piss on things, that's what that's that was what Sandman looked like. Yeah. And they gave him the Sandman look, and and and, and I, trust me, I'm about to shit on this film. Yeah. So if I can give passes anywhere, I will. They get he had a, a kind of a dark blue and kind of dark navy kind of stri- striped shirt, yeah. and that's what Sandman always looked. But it like. didn't look like a prison uniform. Is that supposed to be his prison uniform? No, it definitely wasn't a prison yeah, uniform. Yeah, you know, it looked like a gardener's uniform or something like that. <laughs> really. um, but um, I want to say like, uh, um, um, so I want to say is that like literally. The part of Sandman is played by Thomas Hayden Church, who I think quite well. He's in the Sideways uh, movie, I think, with Paul Giamatti, and um, like the whole character. I, I I I mentioned this to you earlier before we started recording. I I'm not a big fan of these characters that kind of to take on like the embodiment of like a natural resource or whatever, like or a natural element. Like I don't like a big sand. Yeah, Hydro Man or a Hydro uh, Man because as I said to you before, uh, Johnny Storm. Uh, no, I don't mind that, like, because he's still a human. He's still human shape, like. But I don't like it when you have these oversized fists. Like, I really thought a big turn off of the Green Lantern movie. And I know it's stayed pretty true to the source material, but it was shit. But, yeah, it was terrible. Like, and you have these big cartoonish fists, like, and like I don't like. It's like when the Mummy was kind of the way they did it was kind of cool. We were saying that to you earlier with Brendan Fraser, where it was like. It was a sandstorm, so like it'd be like you. They went nuclear, and that's yeah, what was so cool. Exactly, it's like when you're out when a sandstorm is hard enough, but when you're out when a sandstorm with a purpose, it's extra threatening, like you know, because it's aiming for you. You you're know, not wrong. So like, I never really like. I always thought there was a disconnect between, and the fight scenes were always limited when you have these kind of big cartoonish appendages and stuff like this. But like, I I, I didn't like Sandman as a character from the cartoons either, and I, I always felt this way about like. 
these big over the top characters like Hydra you mentioned and stuff like this. So I, I didn't think he should have been in the movie at all really and I didn't really like Thomas Hayden Church's portrayal of him because he's a bit one dimensional, all he does is kind of mope every now and again. He's just like, Oh, darkened alleyway, what are you doing here? I was just moping, you know what I mean? Like it's like I was just brooding. Yeah. Like and like I think when you have these kind of cartoonish characters and there is that disconnect, I just think it takes you out of the action sequences a bit like because what we mentioned uh, from Spider-Man 1 and Spider-Man 2 was how the villains paired up with Spider-Man in the power set department. And like when you have Green Goblin and you have like uh, Dr. Octopus and stuff, that you have these awesome like set pieces where they're like going up buildings or they're like shooting in between debris and stuff. And you have one guy's a flying character, so it, it matches well with the web slinging. One guy's got like the eight appendages, so it kind of counteracts well with the abilities someone that's imbued with the powers of a spider would have. So they work really well, but when you have a Sandman, that I just I don't see the connection there. You mm. know what I mean? Like like what what was your feeling like when you seen Sandman was coming up? And I know you 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 might have a different feeling. So like when you seen Sandman was going to be one of the characters, were you as excited as you were when you heard Venom was going to be a character? No, I think Sandman. Yeah, no, I wasn't as excited about Sandman, but I remember I remember like again, hindsight's twenty twenty, and I think they could get Sandman in the character. And they could, didn't have to rush him. I actually thought how he became Sandman was handled pretty well. And we knew the technology was there from the moment exactly. like I mentioned. And you can use the fact that Spider-Man will always try and stop a crime in progress. Yeah. So that Sandman could always draw Spider-Man to him. Not fight him on the level that you just kind of discussed between like Goblin and uh, somebody who couldn't like climb up buildings with his metal appendages or somebody mm, who could literally super fly. Exactly. So Sandman doesn't fight him on the greatest level. But at the same time, the good thing with heroes is that if you can place anyone in danger, that's a good reason to draw Spider-Man in. Yeah. If you can throw anyone in the air, that's a good reason for Spider-Man to use his agility and all of that. It's like you mentioned last time, he's always going to have to be Spider-Man. Exactly. Yeah, he's yeah. always going to have to be Spider-Man. So I thought, like, I thought, like, that's fine. He needs money. He's a sick daughter. I thought they, they could drag him in. And again, I thought, the, I, I, I hate the character, to be frank, but mm. I don't hate the actor. I don't hate the... Uh, the betrayal I, of him. I don't hate the betrayal of him. I actually thought how he was introduced introduced was quite one of my favourite films was him materialising out of sand and trying to grab his daughter's locket and yeah. keep failing and then learning how to kind of make himself as dense as sand like allows you and, and, and kind of him getting the grips with his power. Exactly. I thought that was cool. I thought it was the most visually impressive part of the movie. Did um, you like that? Like, do you think for the first section that was like the strongest? Part oh yeah, I thought the first fight between Goblin and Spider-Man was actually quite good, and I still had hope for the film. And then when Sandman was, it was kind of Goblin and Peter Parker. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because he wasn't yeah. in the Spider-Man gear. It was actually mm. Goblin and Peter Parker. And then I thought that Sandman. I thought, okay, let's see how they use him. But then the film, it was like I watched. Uh, it's it's like the exact opposite of a director's cut, where they you know they extend on characters. Yeah. They, they they release the twelve minutes that the studio cut. Yeah. Uh, it was the opposite. I felt like I was watching a Spider-Man v Venom film, a Spider-Man v um, Sandman film, and a Spider-Man v New Goblin yeah. film. And then somebody said, "No, no, let's make these all into one film." Mm. And then uh, so much of the film ended up on the cutting floor. So I thought the power set between Spider-Man and Sandman wasn't great. Because I've discussed this with you many times. I think yeah. a, a superhero needs 
somebody they can punch. I, you know, I think that's why Bane was such a good bad guy. For, it's like for, styles make fights in boxing exactly. and stuff. You know like Superman, like? Superman fighting Batman isn't a great idea, and it was a, a and a spider. You know, Superman. Has One good thing about Superman and Batman, sorry to cut across you, is ahead. that like Superman is superhuman in strength, but Batman is like nearly superhuman in intelligence. So it's a battle of brawn against... In preparedness. You know I mean? Yeah, in preparedness. It's like Hulk versus Iron Man to an extent. Yes. You know what I mean? It's technological. That's fair. That's good. Super yeah. It's like natural gifts to... other. It's a complete other natural gift. Go from, sleep, go sleep, go sleep. Go yeah, sleep. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's like, but like, like, um, I just think that's, that's the best way to do it. Sometimes like the way you can match like a Superman or something like that is to have someone that's the best of humanity in the sense of yes. like in a... Like, yeah, exactly. Like when Superman is like the best that humanity could ever be, is like a god level, like we mentioned earlier. And then when you have someone like Batman, that's like the best of humanity in the sense that like he's the best of us in intelligence, the best of us in like inventiveness. You know what I mean? Like yeah, how he yeah. can deal with a situation. And I think that was like something that like Spider Man always shared with Batman. And exactly, it didn't you know have mean? the Spider Man didn't yeah. have the cleverness. I didn't hate the scene where he fights Sandman underground. Because it's a good area where you, you limit. Yeah. You're talking about a guy that can use a city like Jackie Chan uses a ladder factory. <laughs> you know, but he you know, he can create his own yeah. momentum and he can he can, you know, alternate himself between certain states. can be, but then you have him underground and I thought, okay, here it's gonna to be tough to fight yeah. him. But I, I just I always felt like I didn't know what I was watching. Like even when he was fighting Sandman I, with the black suit, yeah. and I'm like, is this a venom scene? Yeah. Or is this a Spider-Man versus Sandman scene? Or is this a Venom versus Sandman scene? Or is yeah. this a, a, a Peter Parker versus Venom yeah. versus Sandman scene? I just... The film had lost this co cohesiveness like, to me. Exactly. Like, in the first two, one thing we mentioned about Bottom was pacing. The pacing was immaculate in both movies. Bottom had their flaws, true. And the Bottom aged slightly worse, in my opinion, than I thought about true. But their pacing was brilliant. They got on with the story. They got on with the story. You know I mean? It's because they had to. Exactly. You know, they kept introducing new elements, and there wasn't time to really but focus each on one. Each was important to the story. Yes. Yeah, and like and it deserved more. exactly. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, and each time in this in Spider Man Three, it was like every time they introduced something, it was hurried along because it's so much to introduce. You know Absolutely. what I mean? Like, he had to introduce. Harry's new uh, level, his new um, relationship with Peter now that he knows he's Spider-Man and then you had to introduce this new character Sandman and you had to introduce Eddie Brock and you had to build his relationship and his antagonistic uh, attitude towards Peter as the story develops and you have all these different elements you have to show Peter is now settled with Mary Jane you have to show that she is feeling like you know like not, not jealous but insecure in how Peter views her now maybe he's like kind of getting fed up with her because of the love he's getting from the population of New York and now that Bryce Dallas Howard comes into it as Gwen Stacy and like you know what I mean he's getting all this intention like you know what I mean he's not just getting attention as Spider-Man but he's also getting attention as Peter Parker mm -hmm. because the confidence he's exuding from his success as Spider-Man is starting to breed into his personal life and that's why he's doing better at school and he's doing better at the, the Daily Bugle and stuff so like does not all sound like really good storytelling? The yeah, way you worded it. Yeah, and you're not wrong in anything you said. Like you, you, I have you. Like you haven't gone off the reservation, as in yeah. like gone. What film is he talking about? You're right. That's literally all in there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But it, but it wasn't in there as one kind of flow. Yeah, it, you were talking about something he gets when as he's building in confidence and stuff. But then, 
Venom hits his scooter from space, and then like you know, he, exactly, he like, kisses a. They, had, they uh, had all these elements, but the way they introduced the elements was so. Awesome. Yeah, you, you just felt I mean? like you were finally getting to some cohesiveness in the film, and then something would interject so blatantly that you would just lose that. And it's like you lose that momentum. And it's one thing, like, for example, it's most sacrosanct not to do it in a war film. Yeah. You need to stay in the depths of it and you need to consistently go there and branch out to, to touch on characters. And Spider-Man was the furthest thing from, like, Platoon or Saving Private yeah. Mine or a great war film. And I, I get there was a superhero, but it was the furthest thing from that where the storytelling, like, forget the fanciness of it, the storytelling needs to be absolutely needs to be there at the absolute centre of it yeah. and it failed so unforgivably and in that like regard the failures that you mentioned like is like one of the, the failures I thought like Kevin because Sam Raimi felt that he needed Spider-Man to have some sort of emotional relationship with every villain like in in part one Green Goblin father figure part two Doctor Rock father figure part three he had the antagonistic relationship between Eddie Brock, unbeknownst to him. Symbiote right? from space, father figure. But you know, <laughs> you know what I mean? But like, when you look at how he introduced Sandman, and then he goes, he starts to retroactively use him as the killer for Uncle Ben, because he needs to have that emotional shoehorn. tie. Exactly. Like, there's shoehorn. another character that was shoehorned, but like, that's the lazy storytelling, because the rumours are true Sam Raimi always intended to have Sandman in this movie they're not touch they get yeah, have him and in Sam it and Raimi touch upon it wrote this movie like, touch upon it you know what I mean like, but like he retroactively like I think the Sam Raimi got caught in this spiral that like like to harken back to what you said again Spider-Man is going to have to be Spider-Man no matter fucking what like so he just need to have all these emotional attachments to his, his villains because if he sees you doing wrong he's the epitome of good he's going to counteract you no matter what right so when Sam Raimi was like, oh, I have to keep up this team, this true line I have through the series that he needs to have this emotional, like, um, conflict, uh, conflictment or emotional, like, he seems to be, has to be emotionally conflicted, like, with how he views the villains in his pieces. So he needed to have this thing where he was personally involved in some earlier yes. aspect of Peter Parker slash Spider-Man's life. Like, so... He was never chasing down a Ted Bundy. You, you know, know what I mean? mean? Like, he was never chasing down somebody... It was so irredeemable that there was literally just catching, stopping, and that being that. Yeah, like, like, like that you would never ever have to reflect upon it. So, in, at do least you think in that, that was necessary. I, 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 you know, like there is something like. Does he need to be personally intertwined? With your there's something about comic books that has a tendency to do that, except uh, and, and there's a glaring exceptions. There, uh, there's Carnage. There's the Joker. Yeah. You know, there's there's just there's just absolute irredeemable characters, and their insanity is kind of what's going from. But a lot of times, there, like Doctor Connors and stuff like that, there was always like a. But, they went so far off the path, but there's something there, and there's like they they, they try to imitate. I even think some of the old um, mythos of of like Disney stories and stuff, and even and even Greek stories. Do, and do you stuff not like think that. though, right? The fact that wasn't it just uh, Joe some Joe Chill kills Bruce Wayne's parents, he becomes Batman. Some random guy kills Ben Parker, ends up Peter Parker becomes Spider Man. It's the randomness, the random nature of that act. Random trauma, specifically. You know what I mean? Like because it could happen to anyone, anytime. The fact that you have to say no, that random act had meaning. No, the, the act itself had meaning, not the person that perpetrated the act. The person that perpetrated the act isn't important. It's the randomness. It's the nature of the act. Because the only way you would look to fix a city at its core is if you go, oh, this can happen to anyone at any time. Yeah. It, it's not, no one has to How many times are you just watching something and uh, 
You know, and you just I, I mean I, I ended up saying like a true crime series like you know it's yeah. like oh my god that could happen to anyone at any time that person was walking home oh man you know, in my life I lost you know somebody I love a few months ago in just the most awful way and I went wow okay this actually can happen to anybody at any time uh, and, and again I wish I didn't say it that way because I mean your numbers it up, feels it's so generic and stupid if I'm being honest but at the same time yeah it, there is there is this kind of randomness to it and they, they use that to um they use that to fucking um like propel the it, yeah propel the story and i think that's that's great because it kind of gives that whole of something dark some light is born and i think that's what comics always are comics at their core are whole <laughs> it's gay <laughs> no it just sounds like i'm going to the jacks i'm just filling a, a glass <laughs> people just if you're wondering <laughs> sorry uh no, but like you said, comic at the core is hope. Yeah. Oh, I, I, sorry, I take back the word gay. We're in Ireland and that usually just makes yeah. silly as in... Yeah, know, no, it's kind of like... Big up. <laughs> so, like, um, no, don't worry about that. Um, so, like, literally what we do is, like, when you look at these things, like, as I said, like, if you give... Uh, there's no need to give later significance to it because the act itself is significant in, onto itself. You know what I mean? So, like, the only thing that, like, really annoyed me about this is, like, yeah, bring Sandman to the party if you want but there's no need to give him this greater mythos to his character. There's no need to go backwards. It's like it's kind of like when you watch Batman with Michael Keaton and then you find out that the Joker was the guy that killed his parents. There's no need to do that. There's no need to reintroduce um, like a villain. that You don't need to attach him to an earlier trauma because the trauma onto itself has that meaning anyway. So like it doesn't need any... like uh, 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 What's his name? Flint? Flint what's his Marco. name? Flint Marco. Terrible name, but like, I just think like the the he got the way he got the villain so right for the first two, he equally got them wrong for the third the third movie. You know what I mean? Like, but this is what happens. This is, goes back to your too many cooks kind of thing, as in like do, you know what I mean? Do one thing well, instead of doing five things badly. Yeah, and they ended up doing five things badly, and I mean, yeah, and not just that. Let's get outside of superheroes. Let's say the thing that I absolutely need to say, and that's it. Mary Jane Watson sang three times. Yeah. You're talking about a film that is starved of time. Yeah, I know it's two hours long. I don't care. You had Venom. You had New Goblin. You had Sandman. That's you had Spider Man. Perfect you... observation the way you phrase that. Starved of time. It was. It was completely starved of time when you're trying to introduce all the things I mentioned previously. You know what I mean? Like, you know what I mean? When you're trying to introduce, like, as you said, Venom, Sandman, the new relationship with James Franco, uh, Harry Osborne, you're trying to introduce all this, Eddie Brock, you know what I mean? Like, so, like, the symbiote, you have to introduce that, like, that, that, like, you take out, like, the take out two of those singing scenes. Yeah. And you got a better entrance for Venom. I'm just saying, you, you, like, I, I actually think, like, Mary Jane Watson, and I, I think they met her such a hapless... Uh, uh, what like the female hapless character? So she just, yeah, she just finds herself in like she was literally taken hostage by the goblin, the uh, Doc Ock, yeah. and she was taken by by Venom. But like they, they, I get it, they gave her character, but they, they, she was an actress and a good singer, and they, they gave her that. Yeah, and then obviously it doesn't go well, and they, and she went to cabaret or whatever it was, and they gave her. But then at the end, they have her singing again. I was like, dude, can you not even of the nine minutes dedicated to just a song? Could you not take three of them? Yeah. And give them to Venom, who was apparently on the screen for something like seven minutes. Mm. Like, dude, like Venom, Spider Man's Joker, Super, you know, you know, Sp Spider Man's Lex Luthor, like yeah. the complete an inversion of him, an absolute bastardization of him, 
and they, they, they gave him seven minutes like in in total when you and said, you're just thinking like could you not give him ten it still probably wouldn't be enough could, you, could it not be ten when you said inversion it just reminded me how terrible ten it is yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah but we can't uh, but we won't we won't go there but um like literally like you're, you're right though because when you have as you said starve when you're starved for time and you're trying to build a story around so many different elements and you only have two like two hours and 14 minutes you don't have like a three hours that like a Lord of the Rings film would uh, afford you or whatever. So you can have your nine different characters from the Fellowship or whatever. And like, so when you're really start for time, it's all about optimizing what you can use and what you have to use. You're you know absolutely I mean? right. So it's all about like, it's like, yeah, it's cool. Yeah, I want to have her to have two musical numbers too, Sam, but not now. Not three. You, like, yeah. not three. Like, let them get back together and let it all work out. Can we not, not three? And again, like, it's not a shot of Mary Joan. I actually thought... And why does she have to be live bait or up on a stage? Like, exactly. Is that the only thing that does... Like, like, I mean, like, essentially what they should have done, and just, like, to cut through it, is she should have just, like, tied herself to the railway track three times. Because mm. that's what she did. Like, it's so stupid. That, like, like, you, like, is there any more female characters that has, like, a savagely rich history than Mary Jane Watson? Like, you know what yeah. I mean? Like, and I, I think it's great that, like, I mean, don't get me wrong... I, I don't want to hold the past uh, guilty for what we've done a little bit better in the present and yeah. you know we brought Wonder Woman and we're, we have Black Widow film coming out and stuff yeah. like that and, and it's great that we've made them like less at least less hapless mm -hmm. or at least like people get caught up in superheroes get caught like caught up in situations where Iron Man has to save an entire ball they're of people do, they're doing the saving instead of always being the ones that are yeah. being saved but do you remember when Spider-Man and Iron Man saved a ball full of people. It's yeah. a ball full of people. Yeah, the ferry. Yeah. It's just a ball full of people. It's not a really, it's not a really attractive love interest. Yeah. Who you know, it's just a ball full of people. It's 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 hapless civilians who you need to help, and that's all it was. It was it's, a great a great scene not to jump forward to the Tom Holland ones, but it's like it's brilliant. It's a perfect epitomization of someone biting off more than can chew. Yeah, no, they did it really well. Yeah, yeah. Well, and we will get to them. Um, but Spider Man Three, like, let's just get to jump to the ending. It killed. The mm. franchise and fine enough it killed it on a trilogy ergo success ergo money in the bank and that's fine you just throw andrew garfield in and you continue but do you, it do you was think... not the ending that toby mcguire and it wasn't the ending that mm. sam sam raimi deserved do you think the reason it wasn't spider-man 4 is because of the studio interference in spider-man 3 oh 100 yeah you know we revolted man us yeah. fans me you mm. and i i when i say me and you i didn't i'm not the dude that goes on boards and stuff like that yeah. but i was like actually revolted i yeah, I thought the second one was really, really good, and I loved the first one. And I thought the second one had the best, certainly at that point, the best there action were, sequence I'd ever seen. And I was excited as we, fuck for the third we one. We were very unfortunate because, like, the last time I remember, we were like, we were kind of very chipper, and we were like talking about, oh, we had Spider Man 2, that was like the pinnacle of superhero movies. And we we're like, oh, I was like, oh, remember X Men 2? And then we were talking about a little bit about Blade 2, and like, we were like, oh, superhero movies. They're the next level now. They're hitting that next level. And then in the space of a few years, we had X-Men 3 Last Stand. We had Blade Trinity. We had Spider-Man 3. And then there was this whole thing, the curse of the trilogy. Because we had the Matrix disappointment as well. Oh. You know what I mean? Like, And it was really, really, really disappointing. Like, And you can't even blame like the way Blade suffered. Because David S. Goyer, who was the writer of the first and second one, decided, oh, I'm just going to throw in all the ideas that didn't get used in part one and two. And Is that how that went? Yeah. Man, you should see part three. Like the, there's a I've main, seen three. I just didn't know that. That's, you know in part three, like, not to go off too much, but you know the blood bank idea where the, the humans are being used as blood banks and they're like, they're like harassing them. 
well, there's a cut scene from Blade One or Blade Two, and the, that literally is the scene. Like so, like it's like, and you can't say Blade movies are backwards. You, you know what I mean? Like yeah, like as well. Like <laughs> we should definitely talk about them. Um, but like, if you look at the way like the storytelling is like when you have like I think Sam Raimi got too involved, and when you look at Part One, David Coop wrote it was you leave it to the screenplayer or screenwriter or something. And Part Two, Alvin Sargent wrote, and he came back as a co-writer for Part Three. And you had Sam Raimi and Ivan Raimi. And I just think Sam Raimi, the first time, told the story that needed to be told. And, and the second time, he did the same thing. And the third time, he tried to tell the story he wanted to be told. And I think because of his overindulgence, like self-indulgence, that like the reason he got Sandman in, who, did, like, fair enough, the studio doesn't agree with it. And they wanted Venom. Venom's a better character, power set-wise. We're always talking about power sets. And how they complement each other. Venom is much more like appetizing for a general audience as well, and he's stylistically like he's very appealing. Sandman, you had that goofiness, like with the big over cartoonish fists and stuff that I mentioned, taking shapes or hammers or whatever, like. And then I thought Sam Raimi should have just maybe either said, "Okay, I won't write it. Let someone else write it the way you want it done." But I just think it was a bit of an ego. I I made as you mentioned, you made like one point five billion over the two first entrances of Spider Man. Just let him like, fucking make the movie. So don't let him write it though. That's what I'm saying. He didn't write part one and two. Like he should have known his own strengths. Oh wow, that's an excellent. You know no, that's I mean? an absolute excellent point. Yeah, like you have the to fact that you know you're absolutely right. You look, you're feeling your yourself, and don't get me wrong. Sam Raimi's one of my favorite directors. Yeah. So you're like absolutely, you're feeling yourself. You know you have talent, but at the same time you're kind of going like, wow, I was given excellent excellent product yeah and with my vision i was able to bring it to the screen wow that was everyone playing to yeah, their strengths exactly and he should you're right it should have been that and to be fair like i, I like i forgive him i forgive him his hubris because i would have that same hubris yeah. where if i thought if i could make two literal blockbusters and i'm obviously an extremely talented director and established before i ever went into this world of spider-man yeah that maybe i could do it i get that but then the studio comes in and when they were waving their dick around, what I um, have beef with Sam Raimi is saying, dude, I walk. Yeah. I walk if you think I can introduce three antagonists. Yeah. And, and he's already touch done. on the love story between Mary Jane Watson and Peter Parker and give Spider-Man the, the attention he deserves I, and establish Spider-Man's life as New York City season. Introduce, introduce Gwen Stacy as well, who's never a huge Fuck character. Oh, It's I mean? too much, like, Gwen Stacy, Flint Marco, you got like, um, you got Eddie Brock, you got so many new characters that are being introduced in this movie, and it just seemed like it was like three movies in one. Yeah, it's just you know, you know what? what? I, I, to, to quote my girlfriend, it's too big. Yeah. <laughs> it's just it's just too big, and I don't know what you want me to do with it. Well, your ego. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, you set them up, and I knock them. I did. First. No, no, I set myself up for that. Um, I, 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 I've nothing. So like like that's this, like I think like what George Lucas should get a bit of credit for like I'm pretty sure he didn't direct Empire Strikes Back or Return of the Jedi that was Ivan Kirshner or something like that I think I'll check it up in a sec because I don't want to insult Star Wars fans <laughs> they will come for me we got, we got Elizabeth Banks wrong yeah just Rachel McAdams yeah sorry Banks. I said yeah. Rachel McAdams played Betty I think her name Betty was Brand. Betty Brand, Brand, Brand and yeah. she was actually played by Elizabeth Banks and yeah so. it's a huge mistake but. It's not the worst mistake that's ever happened. No, it's not like you got Tobey Maguire. Yeah. <laughs> like, that, that would be bad. It's, like. it's just so that Michael like, Keaton 
Spider-Man. Yeah, like, you know, we're just that, like, Elizabeth Banks has made way worse mistakes, like, as in the new Charlie's Angels movie. Yeah, God. So, yeah. <laughs> you can comfort me, I'm the ammo. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? That film was terrible. No, yeah. she, she, she nullified yeah. that by saying, if you're going to make a flop, make sure your name's on it four times. Yeah. <laughs> for me, that, I've never seen the film, but for me, that instantly excluded her, because, like... The empowerment she showed there exactly. was so impressive. She just owned it. Yeah. I directed it, I produced it, I wrote it, yeah. I starred in it, and I fucked up, you know, like... It's not the way, like, Trump has all those, like, horrible things he does, but he puts his name on them. Yeah, no, he does. <laughs> He's yeah. like, yeah, I get it, it's shitty, but it, I did it. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you exactly. know what I mean? like, This is great vodka. I don't drink, but I assume it is. Yeah. <laughs> but, like, um, I think that, like, that's where Spider-Man 3 kind of fell off the wagon a bit because you got Sam Raimi who might have been a bit egotistical like with the way he dealt with the studio because I don't want Venom in it so I'm going to not pay Venom the homage he deserves. It's another time he, he's right. I said this to you earlier that the common theme for this podcast could be the misuse of characters. You, do you remember that like when we were watching it and I was saying to, like how if you look at Venom he's poorly introduced you look at Eddie Brock, he's poorly cast and poorly managed. Even if you look at Spider-Man 2, Harry Osborn was poorly managed. Poorly managed again in Spider-Man 3. Like, so, like, here, Flip Marco, I think that was a wrong choice for villain. That's just my preference. You know what I mean? So, like... Uh, okay, sorry. Spider-Man 3 and uh, Vinnie Green uh, has been asked to make it. Mm. There's studio pressure. So, it was the same thing where you were kind of thinking of introducing this dude. Yeah. Uh, Flip Markle as Sandman uh, to be honest with you I don't think and even this hypothetical that I've just created I don't think you can get away from having to do something with James Franco yeah it's it's, it's been in two films yeah. it's been building oh, yeah, so, I, so, so that I, that's I, I, I said to you last time I absolutely like, I didn't want him there but I think retroactively but there you are you he's not dead it. he's yeah. not you didn't kill him off in the second film or, or something like that and he's discovered his father's lair exactly. yeah, you have to do something yeah so there you are. As far as I'm concerned, Spider-Man, yeah. Mary Jane Watson, uh, uh, James Franco exist. Uh, there's studio pressure. Do you take Sandman out and try and introduce Venom? Personally, I wouldn't because I just think that's too much of a task. Yeah. Uh, as much as I love Venom, uh, what do you think that Sam Raimi could have done despite all of the pressure from the money men that could have stopped this film from being what I consider such a colossal failure? I think when you're a creator... You have to understand there's two sides of the business. The creative part and the business side, right? But mainly, if someone's entrusting you with 250 million, or like I think the budget is like, it says between 260 to 315 million dollars, right? If someone's entrusting you with that kind of money, you have to allow them to have a voice in the room. So if someone says to you, okay, we don't like Sandman, introduce Venom. What he should have done is he should have been a professional. Either got out of his own way and allowed Alvin Sargent and Ivan Raimi, or just Alvin Sargent on his own, to write, rewrite the script from scratch and into, keep the similar elements, but just use Venom instead of Sandman, and think you have a much better movie. Like, I think when someone's entrusting you with that much kind of movie, you have to just let your ego aside. Yes, you're the talent that brought that kind of budget to the dance. The reason it, they're entrusting you is because part one and two were a in success, but yet you didn't write either of those movies. So you have to understand if this movie is not going as well as part one and two, you're the new element on the creative side, then what, what's the problem? You're the problem because you're the new element that's making it off kilter. You know what I mean? So I just think you have to get out of your way, introduce Venom. He's a more iconic character. It's a third part of the trilogy. So you have to go big or go home. It's just the way it is. That's the way trilogies are set out. So like you have to introduce Venom, pay him the homage he serves. The, I think the open sequence 
It's very easily done. James, uh, John Jameson's already introduced in part two. You have him up in space. You stay true to the scene from the cartoon. It's a flawless scene. It's beautiful. It has gravitas. has loads of drama in it. You do that. There's your entrance. You introduce Spider-Man straight away. You have Venom in from the like, get-go. And then you make it a Spider-Man Venom movie with hints of the new Goblin. Well done. And, you know what I mean? That's Actually, all you very, have to do. very good answer. You know what I mean? It's a very like, good answer. It's a very good answer. Uh, it is. It is a very good answer. But uh, it, it, at the same time, what... What was he supposed to do? There was obviously so much pressure that he said, God, I, this film needs to be in the cinema by May 2007. I think it was a summer film. I, I actually yeah. can't remember. Uh, but uh, it needs to be there. And this guy is constantly at you. Like, it's why Kevin Smith walked away from Superman. Mm. He said, no, I'm not introducing a giant spider. Yeah. You remember? Like, you, that was that was the thing. You should, For anyone listening here, look at it up. He got out of his own way. He got out of his own way. He's, a guy wanted to introduce a giant spider. Now, when do you remember Superman fighting a giant spider? You know what yeah. that producer ended up to make? Wild Wild West. Yeah, his name was John Peters. And he's, he used to be a hairdresser. For Barbara Streisand, I think. Something like that. And he said, and uh, the, Kevin Smith made the great joke is that in Hollywood you fail upwards. Yeah. And he said, uh, and the guy ended up saying, giant spider. So obviously he got his giant mechanical spider in Wild West. And you're thinking, dude, you don't know how to make films. Yeah. You're literally just saying words to me. And I have to fucking do that. I'm the guy who's, I'm the guy. Sam Raimi will forever be the guy who made my least favourite superhero film of all yeah. time. Now, there might be worse in Ghost Rider. Or there might be worse in, I hated X-Men mm. 3. But Sam Raimi made my least Do you remember favorite. what I said to you earlier? Why was that the reason? And the word was expectation. Expectation. Yeah. You're absolutely right. There was what I... I, I mean, I, I read 200 mm. um, Ghost Rider comics in my life. But I've read 2,000 Spider-Man yeah. comics in my and life. And when you see the trailer for Ghost Rider, you're like, oh, this is going to be a dumpster fire. A dumpster fire. You know what I mean? You're immediately like... You're it had the line... Um, it had the line that I just think, like, I would have walked off the set when I was given it. And it was like... Uh, he may have my soul, but he doesn't have my spirit. Yeah. <laughs> I would have just got no, no. Can I just get my dick out? Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, man, man, by the looks of Nicholas Cage's back catalogue, he doesn't walk up the set for any line. Yeah, <laughs> you know what yeah, I mean? Like, no, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, but like, I you think, don't say. You know what I mean? Like, I just think like the problem with uh, like if you're entrusted, as I mentioned, with so much money, you just have to get out of your own way. And you can, everyone can say what they want about Kevin Smith. He makes like the odd bad movie or whatever. But he always says, like, when he understands in a moment of time that I'm not suited to this project, he gets out of his own way and he lets someone else do it. And you know what he does? He finds a project that his yeah. strengths do suit. And he probably walked away from a $10 million in his pocket Oh, project. yeah. But he, didn't, but he knew that he couldn't put... Like, fair he enough, respected he, the source material yeah. to the point... Like, that's why he is like he holds such a high place for nerddom because exactly. he is one of us in a lot of ways. That He's he, just one of us that made it big and he's a millionaire. He can fuck you know, up, like, he can fuck up mm. but he never fucked up on purpose. Yeah, exactly. He never went, you know what? Fuck it, it's a payday. Yeah. Mm. He never went, fuck it, it's a payday. And that's where actors get a pass from me because I was watching that film going, I hate everyone. And Topher Grace was the worst aspect of this film because he played Foreman. <laughs> yeah. from the 70s show he, there was even a scene where he was like and you took my girl so I'm going to take your girl and I, I said to you it reminds me of the dynamics he had with his sister in yeah. the 70s show and yeah. it was just like I spite you and you spite me and yeah. oh like I'm going to tell my parents and this but then you're going to rat me out for doing this and, and I was just like dude it was juvenile shit yeah. and you're about to kill a girl over do you think like Topher Grace has this problem where he's so intrinsically linked with Eric Foreman I think I'm happy for Topher Grace that he played a uh, 
Black Klansman, yeah. where he played the actual, I can't think of the guy's name, but he was a real life, he's still going around, it. He's a, he, no, he's a real life dragon, he was a real life oh, dragon yeah, yeah, of the KKK, yeah. David Duke, David Duke, thank yeah. you, and, uh, and then he's, like, because he, he was telling a great story in The View about, uh, he just had a new baby, and uh, he was walking around the house, and there was a, a very N-word heavy scene, so yeah. he's walking around the house, and he's just what, trying what to, word? <laughs> he's walking around and he's just trying to get it right he's, he's, he's in he has to say you know such and such thing and n-word n-word and he yeah, just put, yeah. again it's a script so he's walking around and he's saying the word and his wife comes in and goes dude you know like I'm putting my I'm putting our baby to bed could you please stop saying the yeah, n-word yeah. and he knew it and he, but he, he said no but like at the same time he was he wanted to do the character justice so he did it and then he and at that point I realised he's an actor yeah. And he's only working with what he was given. And probably if he tried to deviate so much from Foreman, then yeah. he's probably told, no, I like the sarcasm. I like the the, the, the comedy. I like I like the kind of like integration of your smarminess and kind of your overconfidence. Yeah. And so he said, right, like that's, that's what I, that's what my contract, that's what I've been told to do. And sometimes uh, even a good actor is just locked in. Yeah. Robert De Niro has made, box yeah. Al Pacino has made absolute utter shit yeah. in the span of their career they'll always be Scarface they'll yeah. always be in Goodfellas they'll always be the best actors of their generation <laughs> but it's still I think anyone who got locked in this film and I think from the from the Sam Raimi <coughs> rapper director to um, to Flint Markle uh, to, to everyone yeah. I think they all kind of got fucked inside of a project that couldn't possibly work yeah okay i think we've been we've been dallying around so if i might take the lead i'd like to talk about yeah the final scene the showdown are we going to jump that far already well where were we like i'm just like i think we're just picking apart remember like i was saying to you about the misuse of characters and we're just kind of picking apart each character one by one because i think like it's such a character heavy movie and there's so many things wrong with like the, the way we went through part one and two we spoke about all these good aspects and and all the important aspects of this movie of those movies and like the way I, I i was looking at part three is it's like there's so much wrong with it i wanted to kind of pick apart the reasons why it's wrong you know what i mean so we're talking about like venom and how that was poorly used and then you brought up tour for grace so like the reason that like tour for grace like uh we're saying because he didn't suit the role or maybe that's not how we envisage uh envisage uh, he was typecasted and he had to stick yeah. to it. I'm sure. I'm sure he wanted to do more. But I, I, I've come to know him as a very decent actor since. Yeah. Uh, that he was stuck. I'm sure he looks back on that as a. It's like in Predators. It's, it's like a. Do you remember in Predators? He came across the. Yeah, he was like Pope. serial killer, yeah. uh, doctor kind of character. Even though he was more chilling in Predator than he ever was. As yeah. Venom, you know what I mean? But that's because he was given the freedom to be. Yeah, exactly. Like, Absolutely. Or do you think it was maybe slightly more far gone from that 70 show that he was starting He's to. He's probably. Like, I won't be surprised if Sam Raimi saw it and saw it. Wouldn't he be great? Because we, we do. Like, Spider Man tried to keep it a bit light. Like you yeah. said, the bad guys are never full fledged bad guys. Yeah. Not in the, not in the Joker sense and uh so they thought yeah we they could were use him anarchistic like yeah they were yeah. never anarchistic or even if they were misguided or or taken over by something like a symbiote that yeah can, you know that me- messes with your head um they tried to give him a little bit of humanity but they overshot the mark by making him goofy and shallow yeah uh, and it was like the worst the foreman wasn't really always that but sometimes he was he was a, a complicated kid and he messed up uh, but he hadn't sometimes he, he literally had like uh, over the sp- span of his career in that show, he had about, about 50 hours to completely flesh himself out. Yeah. So he was the good, the bad, and the ugly. You c- 
can't have that in a film. And the, he wasn't warts at all. He was just warts. The problem with like being on a sitcom for a long period of time is that the character becomes the person, the person becomes the character. You're not wrong. You know what I mean? Like even if it's not true in the eyes of the public, that becomes wrong. true. You know what I mean? Like it's like it's it's very hard to look at like um, what's the guy's name that plays Sheldon? You know what I mean? Like what's yeah. his name? Jim Jim Parsons. And Macaulay Culkin was offered a job. You know what I mean? Like it, it's very hard to look past these iconic characters. Like even Hugely. like. Even if you look at Robert Downey Jr. now, he's having a hard time. He was an iconic actor that came back and he played Iron Man. And he's having a hard time when you look at these other films. It's hard to see him as anything else than Tony Stark now. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, With the exception, I thought he did, that's why I thought he did such an exceptionally good job in Sherlock Holmes. Yeah. Because I actually just thought he was Sherlock Holmes. Yeah, exactly. I didn't get that. Like, he had the he's a good looking dude and he has confidence and he's physically capable. But he wasn't Iron Man. I didn't yeah. like go, oh, oh, this is Tony. This is, like, again, when we said Foreman is now in Spider-Man, I didn't get the sense that um, Tony Stark is now in in in, in, uh, in uh, Sherlock Holmes. Yeah. He did well, but you're absolutely right. It was like, it must have been such a job yeah, like to just deviate. Just the counteract uh, what you said about him when you seen Sherlock Holmes and you didn't see him as Tony Stark still. I think at that stage he'd only been Iron Man once or twice. True. Yeah, no, you're right. He was event like in all of the Avengers you know I mean? in three. Like, in, he was in the Avengers. He was in like one Spider-Man movie. He was in all of the Avengers. Mm. He was in a Captain. Now he's technically him. Civil War was Captain America three yeah, or something like, like he that. He played him for like eleven years. I think from two thousand eight was Iron Man one. Seven yeah. is what I have in my head. No, no, no maybe eight. Yeah. Eleven years, like you know what I mean. Like in eleven years span, he was cast as Iron Man. Do you know what I mean? Like. Hugh Jackman played the power of Wolverine for like 17 years from the first iteration of Wolverine in X-Men 1 to Logan. All you know I mean? like, yeah, yeah. So like even though like he wasn't in the movie every year for he was the only one cast as that character for that period of time. So like when you look at like like is that a major problem with like when your sitcom actor comes from the small screen to the big screen that you kind of just see like it's hard to see the character. It's hard to see. It takes that's why character actors are so great when, they, when they're executed well you could never ever Daniel Day-Lewis can never look back on his career and say oh he was the last Mohican or he was um, that he was any kind of one thing um, so like when you were, we were talking about the, the like you know the misuse of characters and that was the main problem with this film like when you go through the whole part like where when there's not one time where we brought up a character tonight where you're just like Oh, he played that part really well in that movie. You know what I mean? Like, no, there's not never. one part like never. Can. You know what I mean? Like Gwen Stacy was like a dit. Like she was just walking around fawning over Peter Parker and Spider Man, and like Mary Jane was just like being envious and bitter, and like they didn't yeah. do anything with her. When you look at Harry Osborn, they did nothing with that character. Who, you know who I mean? got a fair shake? That's no one exactly because that's the simpler question, isn't it? Because the other question is. Is uh des describe every character and how well they did. You just yeah. end up you kind of end up shitting on them whether mm -hmm. they deserve it or not. And then the question becomes who got a fair shake and you go no nobody. Yeah, like the problem with like when like you know when you say like it was like oh there were so many characters, but like you don't really mind when you look at like uh, a movie like Endgame and um there's like there's twelve different characters but every one of them is held dealt with and so like it's very clever like instead of having a silly extra they're like okay we're just gonna cast someone that's like. In, in that moment, we'll have a use for Winter Soldier or like our Bucky Barnes. Like, when in this moment, we're going to have a use for Falcon. Excellent. You know what I mean? And they always do that. It's like they always go, okay, you might be small. This minute might be small, but it's going to be pivotal. I couldn't have said it to you. you, you know I said, when we were watching, End, uh, sorry, no, we watched the film, uh, Spider Man 3, just, just, just uh, literally minutes before we started this. And that was that um, 
you can say what you want about the Marvel Universe when you got to Endgame like you, you didn't love Doctor Strange you loved Guardians of the Galaxy yeah. everyone felt established like when that battle breaks out you kind of went I know everyone yeah and even if you're just like I, I know all their journeys I know all their journeys yeah it was just so excellently done mm. all in all like if you were to take it as a whole and there was films you loved like my favourite of them my favourite Marvel film is Winter Soldier yeah I thought that was a superhero version of Die Hard yeah. I just thought it was an action film man I just thought it was great it was like an espionage thriller but I just happened to have Captain America in it. Mm. and that's what Marvel do right and this is why and people always go will there be comic book fatigue um, like there was with the westerns and I always say to them no it's impossible because the westerns was a singular genre unto itself but with the comic book thing you have subgenres that can be incorporated into these movies you look at the Chris Nolan Batman movies you had like one movie was like a kind of more of like a revenge save the city type thing Batman Begins and then the second one was like he said it was like his version of Heat it was like a, a, a heist thriller you know what I mean it was like a detective chasing the top criminal kind of like the way Al Pacino was chasing after Robert, Downey, or Robert De Niro in Heat like and then he said that Batman 3 was like his version of Tale of Two Cities and like when you look at like the different Marvel movies this is why superhero movies and comic book movies are so like strong still and I think there's such longevity each movie can be a genre unto itself you know what I mean like you go okay like Iron Man is this like technical uh, technological billionaire that's like oh, oh I'm turning my back on weapons and I want to save the world you know what I mean that's kind of like Iron Man's theme I want to what did he say I want to put an iron shield around the world or something like this like and like the thing is with superhero movies, um, you have a chance to play with different subgenres. It, like, it's still always going to be a superhero movie, and that's going to be classified as a genre to a lot of people. But you can introduce these like undertones of other genres, like in Doctor Strange. You know what I mean? You have like it's kind of like seven years in Tibet. He goes off to find himself. You know what I mean? Like, and in the, they say that in the Mount of Madness is going to be like nearly something akin to horror, and you can have all these different little elements. And I think when you look at Spider Man One, it's the genius gone wrong you know what I mean it's kind of like the and Spider-Man 2 is kind of like the genius gone wrong but like you know what I mean it's just like one is like a man gives in to his own technology and the other one's like a man gives into his own technology and stuff like this and in part 3 there was just like there was no theme to it you know what I mean like I think like you can say remember we covered that last time it's a bit repetitive the themes in part 1 and 2 but there was no theme in part 3 and I think Sam Raimi needed that like he should have kept his true line and I think the major concern like with that movie is that there was no team and I think that's why it's so muddled. Like each character was just shoehorned in. It's like this section of the movie belongs to you and now this section belongs to you, this section belongs to you, and none of them ever kind of meld together. And then all of a sudden you have this climax where Venom's like he runs into Sandman in an alleyway and he goes, I've been looking for you. Randomly. You know what I mean? Like swings down an alleyway and gets punched by uh, by uh, Sandman. And then he, he jumps in the wall and he says, Like, do you want to kill him? And he goes, Oh yeah, no, I absolutely do. Yeah, that's not sound. So I'm sure we'll team up. Yeah, you know what I mean? Like, and the way, so there's another, like, a part of Spider-Man 3 where they're, like, misuse of characters and misuse of time. Screen time is, like, so valuable. And, like, you have these sequences when you have Tobey Maguire dancing on a jazz club and you have three, three musical scenes with Mary Jane and some three. other one. And some other one you have, like... Three. Yeah, kind of, like... And there's another scene where there's this uh, girl she's walking down the stairs and that's, like, nearly another... Like, all these minutes add up. And, like when you look at these like the first two movies the pace was so strong we both mentioned it every single moment counting he knew that he's like okay I've got to do this now I was like I've got to introduce Spider-Man I've got to introduce Green Goblin I've got to introduce Doc Ock and everything was done hastily but like neatly you know what I mean and just in this movie everything was done hastily but messily so that's why the film kind of fell apart 
because none of the elements came together you know what i mean like and like because of that you have a, a that's what's supposed to be a lead into your big climax where the two villains that are going to team up against spider-man just run into each other in an alleyway man you know what i mean that's again shows how weak the script is overall when you look at the movie like you know what i mean because when you have these weak links that are trying you're like you're trying to chain these huge events together and you're chaining them together with really 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 weak links like you know what i mean mm. and that's when the story falls apart because there's no cohesiveness between the characters or the story you know what i mean like so when you look at how do you think that was indicative like the way venom and sandman team up do you think that's kind of like small scene but it's indicative of the overall lack of cohesion of in the story it was just like okay oof. Right, so we've, we've butchered the script up to this point. Mm. Uh, so I'm thinking the end of the film has Sandman and Venom like, like taking on Spider-Man. Yeah. And maybe James Franco shows up to like at the last minute to, to save Spider-Man. And he was kind of going, right, right, so we need to introduce Venom and, and Sandman. Because otherwise they can't show up in the scene together. He goes, yeah, yeah. yeah. So we need an ingenious way for that to happen organically. I'm thinking randomly falls down an alley and gets punched in the face and the guy goes brilliant yeah <laughs> brilliant <laughs> you, know? you know what i mean and then and here it is i'm yeah. dying to get to it Go ahead. the worst aspect of the film the absolute worst and there is some doozies was that he goes down this alley he gets punched with this like fist hammer thing because you know sandman can change his molecular shape and metabolism uh and then he goes, do you want to kill Peter, you know, kill Spider-Man? And he goes, yeah, no, I absolutely do. I want to, I want to kill him. And then there's the scene where uh, Venom's holding Spider-Man on a garter and he's literally hammering into him. Yeah. Now, the guy is kind of like loosely responsible for the death of Uncle Ben. No, uh, he, he's responsible. He, yeah, he probably killed that no, cop. No, he shot him. Yeah, yeah he, he, shot he him. killed that cop uh, who he punched out of the yeah. sand truck uh, earlier on. And um, and he's he's just murdering him. Like, he's, he's murdering a defenseless guy. He's breaking and if, if spider-man wasn't such a physically like on literally unhumanly strong character he, he would be dead but he's it's not from lack of trying and he a guy should uh, uh james franco's got new goblin shows up yeah. and blows him up and offers peter parker reprieve um but then he shows up and goes i'm not a bad person or anything i'm like no no dude if you're beating someone to death well they're defenseless you're a scumbag yeah you don't and I mean, without any, any, any disposition, without any like yeah. storytelling, because it's moments later, minutes later, it's actually the, the last scene of the film, just get to show up after and meet the guy that you just survived beating, to, you beating to death and say, I'm not a bad person. You go, no, you, you are. Yeah. I promise you, you are. Yeah. Like, maybe you're not, like, an out-and-out... Out, like, maybe there's worse people in the world. Like, fair enough. Like, are you trying to come to me and say, I'm not a full-blown Ted Bundy, ergo, I'm a good person? No, 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 no. There's an awful lot of fucking daylight between a good person and a Ted Bundy. Like, an awful lot. Like, and you are well into the shade of that. Fuck off. Do you think, once again, that's the problem when you have so many characters? That exactly, you, man. It's, you it's can't give minutes, enough man. It's art. just minutes. And yeah. two hours two hours and 15 minutes, although it was in the credits at that stage. You have to give him more time with his family to, yeah, and stuff don't, like this. Like, or don't have him do that. Yeah. Don't have him do that. But if you, you have use make, your superpowers... He wants to make him redeemable. Exactly. But so the problem like, is, if you want to make him redeemable, you can't have him, like... We can't have him like attack innocent cops. No, he, he, has to, he has to have a redeemable yeah. arc, and like, a redeemable redeem arc is not showing up and having a. And don't get me wrong, it wasn't even that it was a necessarily bad monologue. It was just an undeserved one. Yeah, like 
the problem with it is right when you this is where the, you kind of have this hard balancing act of storytelling you want it like, like Sam Raimi in the first one had these redeemable villains because even though like Green Goblin did like kill those guys on the balcony and stuff like this it was he it wasn't really him he was like he had a nervous breakdown and it was like a psychotic break you know what i mean he was nearly controlled by his other personality that was the goblin that manifested as the goblin and then doc ock who lost his inhibitor chip the most fragile inhibitor chip in history of mankind and he lost that and then his arm tentacles took him over so like and then he was redeemable in the end because he conquered the machine and he said he didn't want to die a monster and he was the one that kind of saved the day at the end of Spider-Man 2. They had time to build these character arcs, you know what I mean? When you have a singular villain, you can bring it from A to B to C, you know what I mean? Like you can bring it from the origin to the reason why to the redeemable, like, you know what I mean? And you can do that over two hours when you have one character. And once again, this is the problem with Spider-Man 3. It's like the theme of the show is this... You've so many characters that you can't give them enough time to actually develop. You know what I mean? Like, you can't develop Eddie Brock. You can't develop Spider-Man's uh, relationship with symbio with the symbiote Venom and he gets the black suit. You can't develop that. Everything's 20 minutes. You know what I mean? Like, like we got everything's like 20 minutes, 20 minutes, 20 minutes. We've got to get to the climax. We've got to get through. We've got to get, bring everyone into the big show where we have James Franco come back as New Goblin. You have Flip Marco as Sandman. You have Venom and him teaming up to kill Spider-Man. And you have this like ridiculous like mixture of tones and everything's just thrown together. And you have like this news reporter that's commentating the events. And then you have like, you know, like you have like news uh, that are flashing to the news channels and stuff like this. And the problem with this is like, once again, he's trying to have all these different elements. And when you have so many things that you have to cover, nothing gets the time it deserves. You know what I mean? Like... And this is where like Spider-Man 3 just falls to the wayside is because you're rushing everything. You have to like 20 minutes here, we're going to introduce this and then we have to move on. You know what I mean? 20 minutes here, we're going to introduce this new character, but then we have to move on. And then constantly like everything's building towards this crescendo that has no payoff. You know what I mean? Like uh, in the modern, <laughs> in the modern world we live in, we they're able to like for example so many amazing things in something like a Netflix series where like you know like special effects we, we, we've seen a great Daredevil and, and Jessica Jones and all this kind of stuff and Spider-Man 3 could have been a, a literal like forget Spider-Man 3 let's just say Spider-Man in a Netflix series like just say yeah. 10 episodes 59, 59 minutes each or 45 minutes yeah. each you could have done it beautifully yeah but the fact of the matter is, and as much as two hours is a long film, even by today's standards, a little bit over two hours, two hours 15 got us well into the credits. So let's yeah. say 210, something like that. It, uh, it, 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 it can't be, like, it's not that it was done badly, well, it was done badly, but it's not that anybody else could have done it. it it's too much. Yeah. Especially if Sandman doesn't, st like, Peter Parker gets to start the film with powers and nobody gets to be mad about that. My God, it's the third film of the trilogy. He has his powers, he's established in the city, he's Spider-Man. Sandman doesn't get to start the film with Sandman. And even, like, uh, James Franco didn't get to start the film, although, to be fair, they got through that fairly quick and, yeah. and it made some sense. But, like, and then you have to have Venom, who, and then you have to go, like, oh my God, it's, what, three origin stories? Yeah. Three, like, do you remember how long? Like, like if you go back to two thousand three, Ang Lee's Spider. Uh, sorry, uh, uh, Hulk. Hulk. Yeah. yeah, there you go. It was uh, I think it was famously it was forty something minutes, and then you saw the Hulk. Yeah, 
and people got pissy about that. I know what it was. It was a very piss poor film, but at the same time, it's gone. Yeah, because your life gets turned upside down, and you don't get to figure it out or blast out into the world straight away. It's like your body needs to change, your mindset needs yeah. to change. You don't understand what's happening. All of that, and then like Batman begins. How yeah. long they've taken? They, they, but the fact of the matter is, they had a singular focus, and they were able to just do that focus on it. This film, he couldn't have a singular focus. And it was so many, like, he wanted to get engaged to Mary Jane and stuff. That ended up taking up more time than introducing a symbiote from the depths of space. (laughs) It was a guy who's been dating a girl for, like, five years or something at that point. Asking him, her, to marry him took up more time than introducing an unseen, unknown entity from the depths of space. And if you don't understand that that is badly handled time then I can't help you and it's so disappointing and again Sam Raimi doesn't get like a 10 out of 10 for failure from me because I know the pressure from the studios is massive it saves him but he made a bad film he made a bad film when he could have made a better and it's like so bad that it's the worst superhero film I've ever seen again expectations comes in yeah. if you got, I don't know if somebody comes up to me and says tell me it was a worse film than Ghost Rider or something like that I don't know dude I just didn't care as much expectations yeah it's a fair point but it, it was a bad film man that's the problem like but like he's a victim of his own success in a lot of ways wasn't he like, absolutely yeah but um i think like when you have the singular focus i think that's huge like you know what i mean like in batman begins you had raz al ghul was and then you had scarecrow as kind of like a beat absolutely and introduced yeah. raz al ghul and batman were introduced in a beautiful overlapping way mm. because a huge part of batman's training was under the guidance of raz al ghul Exactly. So the two characters were int- it's the best I've ever seen because the two characters are literally introdu- yeah, movie, introduced with, or, with with um with, with uh, interweaving yeah. of, of the two characters and then so you were just able to throw Lee Meeson's Razal Ghoul in at the same time as Batman. Yeah. They've just done such an excellent job. And I get not everyone gets it and not everyone's backstory just allows itself for yeah. that. But this was a zero out of ten across the board, like on that aspect but no when you have no. like a richness of villains that Spider-Man has like when you pick someone like Sandman and give him more screen time nearly than Venom seven minutes that, that's I mean, my like, understanding I read it somewhere it was seven like, minutes to waste a character like Venom the way they did was just like disgraceful and it was just such lazy storytelling and like like it came in like it's the reason that that movie like like it was, there's it's it kind of killed the franchise. Like there should have been a Spider-Man four. Like the way Spider-Man one and two is going, you're like hmm. there's going to be Spider-Man movies every couple of years. Yeah, so Spider-Man four so. without Jar Jar Venom. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like, <laughs> and like, uh, Mr. Gungan. He's sort of got revenge on the spiders, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I actually watched Phantom Menace the other day. Oh that. well, I. I just think um, less of you now as a person. Yeah, no, he just fades upwards brilliantly in that whole. Well, that's it. It's fading upwards, man. Yeah. But um, like I think that's the problem. Like and like we need so many positive things to say about Spider Man One and Two. Like they're no. so hard. It's so actually hard because remember you even said to me, like, w- who came out good in this? Nobody and nobody did. did. Like nobody did. Like the whole thing. Like oh, an absolute. You actually sounded like a monkey there. <laughs> <laughs> At an absolute stretch, yeah. J. Jonah Jameson managed to be J. Jonah Jameson. Yeah. Like, so you kind of shit on him. But, but, but that's fine. He, he's afforded that because of the bubble he lives in. Yeah. He's not a superpower guy. He's this kind of like a 
monolith where he just he hates Spider-Man and that's his thing and he he just got to and it was, there was that great scene where he's going to take the tablets it's very funny yeah your one's buzzing and wrong tablets wrong tablets and he's dropping shit it it's very yeah it not Rachel McAdams. Adams and anyone who's watched the first two we apologise for Vinny being so stupid yeah. so incredibly stupid just, just <laughs> so stupid I just like I'm so lost in my own opinion of myself I didn't even yeah. google it you know and, and now that I think about it I should not have done these first two podcasts and allowed him to have his dick in his hands yeah well man it's going to stay there so that's I, if you could put it away it would be it's not going away and we had it we talked about this before we started recording I said it's going to stay in there it's my lucky charm yeah but it's like an inch longer than mine so I can't take my so like right um right with my dick firmly in my hand seemingly <laughs> um so like like there is no really like when you look back back to there is no redeemable qualities. You I watched that with you an hour and a, just over an hour ago, and I said uh we, we we said for example the first time that the new goblin fought Peter Parker I lo- I said to you I said I love this because it's the only time I ever seen Peter Parker yeah. because unlike the the, the Spider Man iterations after Andrew Garfield in Holland uh. Spider-Man is, is, is very self-built, as in the webbing is on the inside. Yeah. Uh, he's, he's, his superpowers are not enhanced by his suit a la Batman or a la yeah. Iron Man. Uh, so the, the Spider-Man is simply a disguise. And he goes, so I was thinking, like, this was cool. I thought that was very, very cool. I liked when the Sandman was looking, like, he came out of the sand after the experiment to turn him into Sandman, and he couldn't find solidity. He was reaching for his daughter's locket. I thought that was poignant. I thought yeah. that was really cool. But you are talking about moments. Yeah. Like, yeah. like I, I thought when the, 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 the bomb blew up in the Harry Osborne. sequences were probably... Exactly. Yeah. When the bomb blew up in, in Harry Osborne's face, I thought it was done really well. Yeah. As in, I thought it looked really cool. So, yeah, like, but this was me literally sitting there 13 years after watching it for the first time and thinking, like, okay, I'm going to... Go into a deep, deep dive with Vinny in yeah. this. In like, it's in, nearly too fresh. I think yeah. watched it too close to the podcast. Exactly. You know yeah. I mean? like, and and then I was like, I need something that I can say because I knew that question mm. that was obviously going to materialize. Is there anything? Yeah. Uh, and it's not like I'm trying to shit on it intentionally. I'm shitting on it because it's shit. Uh, but like there was these moments of even during the fights, there was that really, really cool moments where just really good. Uh, that kind of. Um, camera thing that the Matrix invented like yeah. bullet time where it goes right around in slow motion they use that the really well the rides on a, like an armoured car door or something like that exactly really cool, like yeah so, so it had that like I mean don't get me wrong it was an action film mm. and if you brought I put to you if you brought a six year old to it they'd love it yeah, like, because they don't. There's they, they, they haven't reached a stage where there's a poignancy or a, a depth of the knowledge of, of, the, of story, the subject matter and, we, and us fanboys uh, fangirls whatever you whatever um, cage you fall in whether it's the films or the comics yeah. or both most of us both um, you've just gone no this there, there's no there there yeah, did you ever yeah, hear that expression yeah. there's no there there there's nothing there and I just remember walking out feel, and I walked out I remember I, I said this I walked out thinking like that was kind of entertaining I guess like it was okay uh, but like I suppose I had problems with it. and I went out and somebody said outside well, there was like 10 of us uh, and they went, that was shit and for some reason that sentence washed over me yeah and i went you know what i hate that (laughs) you know i i was so desperate to like it a friend of a mutual friend of ours um uh mel uh he i remember like again in the year build up to that he was so obsessed with it that he literally read the script yeah read it he knew everything was going to happen he ruined the ending for himself he couldn't he could not contain himself when you look back about it right like this is like still 13 years on right and we're 
two huge comic book fans and two huge superhero fans and we're still disappointed to this day to this day to this day you know what I mean like, it's like we're as disappointed watching it there previously as we were when it came out first I told my fiance it, it's uh, hard when I was coming out here because he, like uh, Vinny lived just about 10 miles up the road so I got a bus out and I said oh, go get the bus and she was like you going to watch Spider-Man 3 and I was like yeah she goes I hope I always thought you'd never watch that again. Yeah, you know, and it was almost like I was telling her that, yeah, my promises don't mean shit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, like, you know, know I, mean? I did. I said it to, to to Vinny on the walk down. I said, I feel like I'm breaking a vow to myself. Yeah, it's 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 just so it was so disappointing that like even to this day, like it leaves you really disappointed when you watch because you're like when you watch part one and two for some reason you're like, oh maybe part three could be a little bit better. You know, look, like, part three, part yeah. one, and two have done such a good job leading into part three. Like it, Certainly deserved this trilogy. So you're thinking they're going to do Venom? Cool. Yeah, he did some nice world building in the first two movies, and then he did. Yeah. But he, at the start of Spider-Man Three, they were talking about like, okay, hi, I'm Spider-Man, and you know, and it was, and it was like New York loves Spider-Man yeah. and all that kind of stuff, and that felt right. He learned. Yeah. He had four hours of 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 establishing Spider-Man's of power set, things. and and he had saved the city twice. Well, mm. like literally saved the city in a nuclear turn in by Doc Ock. Yeah, like superhero, superhero, superhero. And then uh, I thought, yeah, of course. Why wouldn't I have faith? Why yeah. wouldn't I, man? Exactly. Yeah. I didn't. And I didn't go down. I didn't go down uh, my mate's route of reading the script. Or so he's just he's even a bigger film guy than either of us. He's a lunatic, a lunatic for 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 film and scripts and, and all that kind of stuff. And that's yeah. his passion. But he walked out. He went, no, that was. I remember him struggling to my face yeah. to to kind of say like, ah, well, and I was like. You're struggling, aren't you, man? Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's, like, it's like it really enters down as inexcusable. You know what I mean? It's just one of those things. You know when you like you look and I said the redeeming factor when we were just like clinging the straws, we're like, uh the action. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like and that's the problem. Like when you look at part one and two, you're like, if someone says your redeemable qualities, you're like William Defoe's performance at the Green Goblin, the way they built up that like the the father figure aspect with him and the Green Goblin and then they had the him having to make the decision to like establishment of Spider Man was quite true. Exactly, you know yeah, what I mean. Yeah. Like part one and two, like you know what I mean. He had all this world building, and then maybe it was maybe we could take some of the blame off Sam Raimi's shoulders and say that the studio executives, um, maybe interfered too much. But Sam Raimi probably should have towed the line a bit more. Like they weren't wrong. Venom's a far more compelling character than Sandman. He always has been. That's why he's so much more popular and so much more famous than him. So like the use of Venom in part three when you already introduced J uh, John Jameson in part two is very organic to me. And that's yeah. natural world building storytelling there to me. I think Sandman should have been further in the run, maybe four or five years that was to happen. But I think that's the problem. I think Sam Raimi jumped ahead of himself a bit, got in his own way. And we had this muddled mess that is Spider-Man 3. And unfortunately, compared to the first two, we did have so many positives. So we were like bouncing around from ideas Trying to look at the reason I don't have a true blue positive. Yeah, exactly. I can tell you a scene I thought. I the action scene between again the new goblins yeah. and Spider Man, I enjoyed it. Yeah. But to get that positive, like a real positive, mm. I'm struggling with. Yeah, it's like I think that's the reason we're kind of like scattered in this because we're like constantly looking for reasons. We're trying to look for explanations. Whereas the first one, we were just like, the first two episodes, we were just like, look at this and what did you think? And this one, we were like, how did this happen? You know what I mean? Like, and you're looking around. I think it gave us a bit of a scattered tone, maybe the way we kind of approached the movie. But I think it was because that's indicative of the tone of the movie because it was scattered in its own nature. And we were bouncing around trying to figure out why or what went wrong and how it went wrong. And I think literally that's the whole problem. I think we'll just kind of leave it there before we go to the break. And I think that was the issue, I think, overall with Spider-Man 3. It was very scattered in its approach. It was muddled. 
and there was too many characters and each character wasn't allowed the, the kind of development it needed or deserved when it came to trying to have the payoff or the kind of big introduction of like Sandman or Venom or New Goblin or anything like this. So, Noel, do you have any last thoughts on Spider-Man 3 before we go to the break? That we didn't deserve it and there's enough pain in the world. <laughs> so, um, right, we'll be back after the break and we'll talk about the what-ifs and our best and worst. We'll probably have a lot more worse than best. And um, so we're going to break here now and then we'll be back in a few moments. So take care of yourself, folks. And we're back from the break, right? I'm your host, Vincent Green, the Spider Ma- Spider Fan Family Hour. I'm still here with No John, No John, to help people alive. I'm alive, peoples. Alright, so the first part, we kind of jumped around from all the horrible things that made Spider Man 3 catastrophe. But now we're going to talk about the what ifs, and this is our opportunity to jump in the director's chair and give us a chance to change. And like the first one and two, we didn't have a lot to change, but part three, we're going to have a load of change. So this is going to be more of a fun uh, kind of aspect of the show than it normally is, because then we can kind of jump in the hypothetical director's chair. So, Noel, right? What aspect of Spider Man 3 would you change if you had the opportunity to? Okay. First one is, right, I would have. Sat down with everyone who was making the film and said, let's not make this film. <laughs> so you talk a total rewrite. I, 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 or like, you know, like, they would have all been in a, in the room kind of going, wasn't the director Noldan supposed to be in here? And also the doors lock and like chlorine is released from the roof. <laughs> <laughs> and, they, and, and we save the soup. Man, I, I, all I, to, to answer your, I'm taking the piss, to answer, to answer your question seriously, is that I would have said, especially if I had the clout that yeah. comes with having made the studio a billion and a half dollars profit yeah. profit man I did it and people know my name and I'm integral to this film I, I, I get my trilogy if you have two successful films you get your trilogy yeah. um, I was like dude I'm not doing it as in I know you want Venom I want Venom but I can promise you that I'm you're a producer you're, you're a money man I can promise you that it's too much yeah. in one film no what would you change though I wouldn't have Venom yeah, you would have taken Venom out. Right? And I love Venom. I, I, I was looking forward to Venom. I'm such a, I, I, there's an hypocrisy to this, and I'm going to own up yeah. straight away. The hypocrisy was that Venom was the thing I was looking forward to the most. But that was with, that, that's before I have what I have now, and that's hindsight. And if I was writing the film, at least I'd be able to see the script and go, no, pacing's off. I just can't. Venom, like Venom isn't a Lex Luthor. Venom isn't just like, he's great because he's a genius. Or, or like, like you could introduce a Doc Ock. They did yeah. a great job, but you could introduce it quickly. He's a genius. Yeah. And he gets caught up in his own AI kind yeah. of s- syndrome. Um, but Venom needs a whole, even bigger than how Spider-Man became Spider-Man. Yeah. It's like how Spider-Man becomes Venom, becomes Eddie Brock. Yeah. Becomes Venom with Eddie Brock. It's two origins. It's, two, it's one. so much. Yeah. And then you wanted to like tell the story of Mary Jane Watson and Peter Parker. Yeah. And I would say, no man, look, give me a fourth film. And I promise you, I'll, I'll put something in the third film yeah. that will set it up. It'll be like in the background. It might even be for eagle-eyed viewers. A mention of uh, introducing Eddie Brock 
or uh, having like a shooting star, like you know, like meteors yeah. flying over her, and and the fanboys could go, oh maybe, and then the third film I could dedicate to it. But man, I'm gonna I'm gonna do a Sandman. I don't know if it's gonna be as good as the first or second, but I promise you, I'll make bank yeah. because the first two were so popular, and the third one made bank. The third one made crazy money. Yeah, made um, like over eight hundred million. Yeah, so like it made its money, and that's mm. the thing. You can go to a shit film and leave and be disappointed, but you paid your money. Yeah, everyone went once. Yeah, I like, paid in euros. I paid like twelve euros, about yeah. eight hundred million dollars, or whatever that works out. Yeah, like qu- quality in the box office is not as oh good. Quality is a story. Oh my god, not even. Absolutely not even close. There mm. was a, a Watch Mojo video, I haven't watched it yet, but I was going to, and it was like terrible films that made money. Yeah. And it didn't matter, they made clout, man. They, they literally made it, and people walked out going, Well, that was shit. Like, Suicide Squad's probably a good yeah. example. I think that broke its, you know. I it, think they got six or seven hundred million as well. Like, Grant, it reached just, it, it paid it, for itself, it reached its target, and people hated it. So it what? You think, you think the producers went to bed with their 20 million, 10 million cut, whatever it, it was? It shows you how important marketing is, doesn't it? Like, like, he can really like he can market a bad film correctly and he can draw in people that everyone will see once you know what i mean and that's all you really need it doesn't really need repeat viewing if you got this wide appeal and you kind of trick people to come in and watch it it's got all these elements and we promise to come together somehow but none of them really do but everyone still went to see it once and that's how you make your seven or eight hundred million that's how you don't make the billion because you make the billion because it's a good movie and everybody and even if you kill it it's crib Um, that is the first film so what you made your 400 million. Yeah. All, you have to understand that it's a business. Yeah. And I buy into it gladly because it gives me two hours of entertainment and quite often more because, you know, I'm a fanboy and I, I lean into it and I wonder, yeah. you know, I, I get so much entertainment out of it, whether it's conversation over a point or whether it's actually going to the film. But uh, it's, I, I, I think if, again, the, 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 in the director's chair, and again, we're all heroes in our stories. Have I seen a burning building? Of course I'd run out. You haven't been in front of a burning building, you stupid yeah. bitch. You haven't done a fucking thing. Yeah. But I would like to think that we go, no, dude, I'm promising you that this will kill us all. As in, this this will like will all go down in history as of having made a terrible, a terrible film if you make me shoehorn this in. Because I actually, that's the thing. I don't think Venom by himself yeah. could have been shoehorned into a single film. Yeah. Well, I think like you could, you could focus eighty percent of the movie on Venom and twenty percent of dealing with the loose end of Harry Osborn. Maybe if they made the MJ Peter Parker, because it'd been complicated for two films. Yeah, you could have made that uncomplicated. You could have made Eddie Brock her new love interest. Yeah, you could. Yeah, you could have keep. You could have keep them keep simple. Like she, she loves him, and they're fine, and and their relationship is okay because she. Like, the one thing they got... Well, the one thing they got wrong is what said they got so much wrong. Yeah. It's like, Mary Jane Watson became such a lowest lane as in she just got kidnapped by everything. <laughs> I'm surprised she got anything done. She gets kidnapped in every she movie. Gets ki- I'm, you know, I'm surprised she wasn't like, oh, Peter, I'm sorry I'm late. I got mm. kidnapped. Mm. You know, it was in like, sorry, I, I placed an order for like a, a triple decker uh, with, uh, on, 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 on Re. Like, Red, um, but I got kidnapped. Do you know the way, like the, the way they use uh, Mary Jane, like it's just live bait the whole time. Is like they they introduce Gwen Stacy, they're just like, oh, so we, we need more live bait. You know what I mean? Yeah. And she need, nearly falls to her death. You're absolutely you know right. Yeah. Like, I fell sixty two floors and Spider Man caught me or whatever. You know what I mean? Like it's just so stupid. Like why introduce these characters if you're not going to use? But them? No, the, the, that mean? was the film at the time, and I'm glad we got a little bit further down it. That um, because again, we were we were talking. I'm going to switch upon it again, and I don't like to deviate from the film. We've done yeah. it too much, and I apologise for that. But but in the in the Holland Spider Man with the yeah. boat, it gets cut in half. Uh, yeah, Spider Man Homecoming. And they need to save. They just need to save everyone on board. It's not about 
good looking women or yeah. it, there was men, women it children. should be the act the act yeah. is significant you just needed no to save people that's what it was yeah. about and um, they did that extremely well because yeah. it wasn't about any one person it was just about like Batman did it especially the Joker Batman the second one yeah. they did it extremely well uh, sorry yeah, furry scene again Christopher Nolan one but, another um, furry scene but at the same time it, they just made this like the love interest is dying mm. is about to die and you have to save her and I was like dude you did it twice you did it twice don't yeah. do it a third time just leave it the fuck alone yeah you know and again the, the, the Gever Tree songs they, they overcomplicated their relationship and they had so little when, when you do that like, like it sounds like a lot but 120 minutes right it's 120 minutes it's Spider-Man yeah. it's his relationship with, with Mary Jane Watson it's Harry Osborn mm. it's Sandman first off being like establishing his story establishing his powers and then establishing his motive and then establishing his fight scenes and then you have Venom establishing his motive establishing his powers establishing his fight scenes and then you're kind of going wow you know what 120 minutes or 130 minutes it's not that fucking long yeah but but let's put on three songs for Mary Jane Watson you fucking morons no like do you think like you know what I mean when you look at the way they introduced uh, Gwen Stacy right and in the way they used Mary Jane like in the first two movies they had all the complications in the relationship and it ended on a good note and in the third one like oh we have to once again shoehorn something in we're going to have to add complications to the relationship because they just can't be happy you know yeah. what I mean so like like there's no need to add in her being envious of New York because they love Spider-Man because he's saving everyone because we've seen in part two remember like crime has jumped up 75% when Spider-Man stopped being Spider-Man like you know what I mean so he's obviously pivoted like the, to the city so they need him and she obviously understands that because then the Spider-Man 2 she goes go get, get the him tiger, tiger. Yeah, you know what yeah, I mean yeah, like, yeah, yeah. so there's no need to create all these like drama in their relationship because it could just have them being happy and you could have had maybe Eddie Brock's fascinated or infatuated with her or infatuated with her and you could have added that and then you could have created the complication with him, yeah. him and Peter Parker maybe you could have had it like as in like do you know uh, Tanton Mr. Ripley you could add Eddie Brock wanted Peter Parker's life, so he tries to take it from him, and then that's how him and Venom kind of dying in their hatred of Peter Parker. Or something. Yeah. you know what I mean. Like there was, nothing, there was nothing in it that was organic, and, it, and yeah. the biggest again, it wasn't my most hated scene, but it's up there. But it wasn't my most hated scene. My most hated scene was Sandman trying to redeem himself after trying to beat a helpless <laughs> man to death, uh, after already Steve being a murderer was, and then just trying to have a monologue that makes him like not a bad guy. Like I'm sorry, I turned into a giant monster, <laughs> turned my uh, hand into a hammer, and then <laughs> you were completely defenseless. And all you've ever done with your life is save other people. <laughs> and knowing that, try to beat you to death. Mm. But like you know, like life's funny sometimes. Yeah, you're like, like fuck off. But the but the the scene that pissed me off, with the exception of that, the most was that they were just sitting in the park, and of all places in the universe, the Venom lands. symbiote just lands. Again, I was saying to you, like I, I, I have an anxiety disorder and a bad knee, so imagine if it just landed here in Ireland, or yeah. at least, and attached to me, and it was like, wow, my knee hurts 10% less, and my aggression's up 100%. <laughs> <laughs> it wouldn't have been for much of a superhero movie. Like, when you look at, uh, do you remember the line Venom says near the end? Um, don't hunt what you can't kill. Don't don't wound. <laughs> don't wound what you can't kill. <laughs> like that's know, the reason. If I could wound it, I can kill it. Yeah. Whatever. Like, as as you, like if I can wound it, I could wound it twice. Yeah. If and I, I'd kill yeah, it. Like if, if anything, if you wound something, it would entice you to hunt it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's like oh wait, I can actually hurt it. It's like in predator. It's like somebody goes hunting and they shoot something and it hurts <laughs> it and it runs and it's like oh no, I'll stop now. It's like, no, like I mean, it, it's got a little bit. Of, it didn't kill it instantly. So here go like. <laughs> 
It's like in Predator. It's like when you see the Predator can bleed. He goes, if it bleeds, we can kill it. It's yeah. not like, if it bleeds, it must be invincible. Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> immediately when you wound something, like, oh, we have the ability to hurt this. You know what I mean? Like, I know it's killing us all, but I made one effort to stop it yeah. and it didn't work. So now yeah. I think we just... I, I actually wounded it, so I'm going to just back off now. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you, know I mean? yeah. you know what I mean? Like, I think that was just another like example of the poor writing. And, but your, your what if would be like you would have... Taking venom out and kept no, saying, and you know what? And you what? you go back to two thousand and six me. I yeah. came out in two thousand and seven. Talk about two thousand and six me and tell me that many, many years to come that I'm gonna say that um excuse me, that I'm gonna say you take venom out of it, I would have just called you a liar because that was that was what I was hoping for. Yeah. But then I, I was realised watching it that unless they dedicated the entire film to it and even yeah. even eating into the relationship with Spider Man and Mary Jane Watson, yeah. I said, Don't do it. Don't do yeah. it. It's an entire an entire introduction. It's an entire Spider-Man getting bit by the spider again. Yeah. Like it's an integration with Peter Parker, a fallout with Peter Parker, an integration with somebody else, yeah. and then introducing him as somebody that you actually have end up having a battle with. Yeah. It's like, do you remember how they did Doc Ock? It was it was great in a made sense. Mm. As far as superhero films make sense. Yeah. He was trying to create and a power source. He needed something. The relationship like, resonated. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. And he needed something where human hands can't go. He created these 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 tentacles of yeah. you know extreme extremely um dense and capable um tentacles yeah. and uh that made sense it was like again as far as superhero films were said but this it was, was just plausible. like yeah this was just rolling the dice and eventually i i do feel they reached a climax in the script where they're like dude i i don't know what to tell you yeah it's like you're asking me you're saying like sandman needs more you know like yeah. The monologue. I don't know if I can make him a good guy in there. He's the, going like, we'll do. We we're 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 down to like three dude, minutes. What do you want? Just throwing shit at the wall. Just throw shit. And at they the were wall. hoping something sticks. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, and nothing sticks. And, stick. and I'm sure if you could sit down and talk to the, everyone involved, they would they would just tell you exactly what we all heard was that it was producers coming in and waving their dicks around. Yeah. Going, dude, we want this, this, and this. Because we want more money, and it's not like sometimes, and that's the thing: the greed will cost you. Yeah, I because think, you got a third film, you made a lot of money, you killed the franchise. I think you take Sandman now, you got a much more personal film. Like, you know what I mean? You got, like, as I said, you could do the whole thing where Eddie Brock is envious of Peter Parker's life and he wants to take that away from him. He could even introduce Gwen Stacy if you want, but I don't think she's necessary at this stage. No. I think you should only introduce Gwen Stacy after you kill off Mary Jane. Yeah. That's the only reason. Actually, Grant Stacy's the yeah. one that's supposed to die. Yeah, yeah. So, if anything, you should probably like do what they did with Amazing Spider-Man, introduce Gwen Stacy first, and then later on, introduce Mary Jane. You know yeah. what I mean? Or even have Mary Jane as a true line. But Gwen Stacy was his original love interest. She died, and then he ends up with Mary Jane in the comic books. So, wasn't it that way? Like, exactly. So, like when you look at the movies, you could introduce Gwen Stacy later, I think. You could kill off Mary Jane, even in Spider-Man 3. You could have Venom kill her, and then you could really like add a whole new layer to the storyline that way. Like... And you can have the really good collision course then, because even more personal, Eddie Brock's infatuated where he becomes Venom, maybe kills her, and then Peter Parker has to fight Venom. He could kill Venom or just, like, you know, detain him or whatever. And then at the end of Spider-Man 3, I think he introduced the lizard. That's what I would do. Like, the way you have Doc Connors in Spider-Man 2 and Spider-Man 3, and then he examines the symbiote in one of the, in one of the scenes. So he, I think you concentrate, you take Sandman out of the movie, because you know I don't like him, and the rain calls him Sandy Face because that's all he does. He makes giant sand face and starts beating up people, and he's a terrible villain. And I said to, to, into the first part, I don't like him as a character, and I don't think he was necessary with the power sets. He didn't match up well. So you take him out, 
you concentrate on Venom, you, you tie up the loose end of Harry, you have him die, you have Mary Jane die, then you can move on to Spider-Man 4, you can introduce Gwen Stacy, and you got a whole new character list. You introduce Gwen Stacy, you introduce the Lizard, you maybe keep Venom, like, and you can introduce Carnage in Power 5. Mm. And then you got Power 4 and 5, you get real loss, and you get re like a real, like, Heavy hitting superhero movie. Balance, man. It's balance. You know what I mean? Like they did it in the first mm. one. They did it extremely, extremely well. Like the balance they, of it. In part two, they're like, okay, we'll introduce Harry being the new Goblin at the very end. Mm. I think you could do that with part three as well. You kill off. It was all the way around. I said it. Yeah. I, I think. I think it's the third time saying it. So I apologize for repeating yeah. myself. But if you if Harry Osborn was not dead by the end of the second film, in fact, at the end of the second film, the, yeah. he finds his uh his father's secret lair with all his mm. weapons and stuff. There was. Obviously, you need to use him, and obviously, yeah. people didn't want a goblin as the bad guy. You yeah. can't go like goblin, duck up, goblin. Nobody yeah. wanted that. Exactly. Yeah. So they locked themselves in. Whether that's a good or a bad thing, at the end of a second film and a second great superhero film, that's where they were. Yeah. That, for good or bad, that's where they were. Yeah, and I, I hold it against nobody yeah. that they needed to integrate that mm. into the third film. Nobody. But at the same time, I don't hold it against anybody that they couldn't have him be the villain yeah exactly so but then they just decided Sandman and Venom and then you kind of go dude no and I, I wouldn't mind if like I mean I remember at the second uh, Andrew Garfield thing they tried to slowly introduce the Sinister Six yeah and they, 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 they did it but I can't remember it was like some sort of factory where they had the Doc Ock arms and stuff like that and you realise they were building this factory yeah that was a post credit scene a post credit scene yeah. and you're thinking yeah okay as in you know lay the groundwork Use the film before it. Yeah. You like use it. It was like when uh, uh, God, it was at the, at the end of uh Edward Norton's uh Hulk. Yeah. That uh Samuel L. Jackson's. No, no, that's in the end of Iron Man. At the end of Iron Man, Samuel L. Jackson appears and he starts talking about how they have the Avenger Initiative. Really? Was yeah. he not at the end of, the, of oh, Edward Norton's? Oh, is, is it the post-sequence? I yeah. think so, and it was, yeah, yeah it was, it, it was yeah, just, and that was to integrate Hulk into... Yeah, because they have a short called The Conversation. And that's so, such a short scene, yeah. at the same time, we just kind of go, okay, yeah, a exactly. bridge. Now, like, now the, 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 the third word. film didn't yeah. have a bridge. Yeah. The third film just felt like they just... In, Do you like, know who he talks to? William Hurt. He talks to William Hurt, the guy who plays, uh, what's his name? Thunderbolt? General Ross, is not his name. The guy who ends up being Red Hulk. Yeah, so like he plays him, and I think that's what it is. He meets him in the bar. Yes. Yeah. That that might be it. Yeah, yeah. it's been so long. Um, but like, yeah, he meets him in a bar, and that's when he he go like. But that's it. It's not that. That's the thing that pisses me off because yeah. I don't. I think when it's done right, it doesn't need to be long. I think it can just be. It can be done really well. Or he, like, for example, somebody could come in and kind of go on, uh, kind of kind of go. Look, we've introduced. There's a program going on, uh, in its we've we've found this creature, this symbiote. Yeah. It, it needs a symbiosis. We've had like the Venom movie did. It was like we we've had failed symbiosis, but we know that there's potential there, and they could have yeah. touched upon it. But they literally just decided that Spider Man three, Spider Man three would have been an amazing superhero film if sup if superhero films could be nine hours long. <laughs> yeah, you know, if it could be like the it tree, if it could be like the tree Lord of the Rings yeah. movies in one, yeah. it would be like yeah, you can do it, and then it's, you would have had this showdown. You're kind of been like oh Venom. Such a yeah. complicated character. Yeah, like so you take introduce Venom somewhere in part three and use him in part four if you can, like Absolutely. Yeah. That's exactly what I mean. It's yeah. what they did with James Franco, man. Yeah. When James James Franco in the third one, he uh he you see him coming out of this kind of chamber, there's green smoke, 
he comes out. He's he's he's, he's just wearing a pair of jocks yeah. and he's he he just he's in good shape and he looks strong. Yeah. And you're kind of going, sure, that's what his dad did. Whatever that, mm. whatever he infused himself with, he's infused with himself with it too. Yeah, All the zero. tech is there. Fine, done. And that for me was fine. That took literally thirty seconds, mm. but because of the first two films. The groundwork was laid. Exactly. The bridge was there. In the third sense. one, they needed to introduce a symbiote, and it attaches to his scooter, man. Yeah, I it's just so think, unforgivable. I think like he just, uh, I said it already, but like you just lift Sandman out of that movie, you dedicate the whole thing to Venom, and I think without Venom, like without the proper use of Venom, it was already proven that you don't get a par four. So if you use Venom correctly. You get part four, then you get your little uh, Sandman introductions, and you get Doc Connors turning into the lizard. Because like, if you look at Amazing Spider-Man, don't want to go too far ahead, but like, the first character they used was lizard, the lizard. Do you know what I mean? So obviously that was the plan. I think all yeah. along was. Lizard. Well, he hadn't been touched upon to be fair. Yeah, I think like when you have Doc Connors in the background, you, you should use him more. You, you dedicate the film to Venom. You hint at Doc Connors' transformation throughout the film. Like you can just use that as a true line every now and again. Oh, I'm working on an experiment with a lizard. Remember, like, just be smart. Man. Yeah, you know just what I mean. Just like I mean, mm. if you're like again, I know you're asking. This is God tier writing, as in just yeah. to be ahead of everything all of the time. And you have to say like, look, I'm gonna make okay. I'm gonna make a Spider-Man trilogy, and I kind of go. I want to use this dude, this dude, this dude. Yeah. And I'm going. Why not? When like I need. I need Spider-Man to get bitten by the spider. I was actually delighted that Holland Spider-Man was just Spider-Man and just gone. Yeah, exactly. I was so yeah. sick of the origin. Because everybody knows the origin story. Exactly. Yeah, it's like Batman. Like. At the same time, I was kind of like, why not have, like, you know, Dr. Connor be the guy who works in the, whatever, the science building that, that, that had the yeah, spider. Well, and not why not have Eddie Brock being a competitive uh, photographer at the... Yeah, exactly. Like, why not have it all? Yeah, exactly. Like, and and these things because they don't take much time to take up. Yeah. These are just people who are integrated in there, and then their characters exist at least. Yeah, exactly. Like it's, it's kind of like the way Stan Lee, like when he he probably he introduced his characters first, and then he gave them more credence as they went along, because he understood why do I have to introduce all these characters and then intertwine them around Peter Parker's life when I've already got characters that are intertwined around his life. You know, I right. can just give them more layers. You know what I mean? Yeah. So like what you should do is if you want to introduce these characters, you need to intertwine them into Peter Parker's life much earlier on. You know what I mean? So like when you intertwine them into his life earlier on, then later on you can have the big payoffs of Eddie Brock's transformation into Venom because you already have this rivalry built up from maybe Spider-Man 2 because we were saying... Like he should have probably been introduced earlier and then you have the Venom payoff in Spider-Man 3 like you know what I mean yeah so like I think that's the problem with this film it's like as you said it needs to be nine hours long because it's like three movies in one you got the origin that's what it was it was three yeah. movies in one you exactly got, exactly you got the evolution of Harry into the new Goblin you got the introduction of Sandman you got the introduction of Venom so there's and the evolution of, of Spider-Man which yeah. you know it needs to be there too it, it's a Spider-Man exactly. movie you have his relationship with the symbiote that to create the black Spider-Man suit and then you have his change in personality and then you have to have him revert back to original Spider-Man. Like think of all the things they were I don't think Peter with. Parker There's so many things they had to try to fit into this fucking film. Like no wonder why he was a mess like you know I what can't I mean? imagine like, Toby Maguire <laughs> telling you or Mary J or sorry Kirsten Dunst telling you mm. that the complications and love between yeah. those two hadn't been touched upon. Yeah. That 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 they that they would have felt cheap I, I, I'm not putting words in their mouth, yeah. uh, but like that they would have felt that it was cheap going into this third film and saying, oh yeah, we need to like really work on where they are. Yeah. They were just young and in love at the second film. Yeah, exactly. And a third film could have just had him just yeah. being Spider-Man. Yeah, there's stuff you could leave alone. Like, cause it's like, 
as I said, every time we talk about it, there's like we there's about five different things. When you, you look at one section of the movie, we're like, oh, they were trying to fit like four or five different elements into that one section, and that's why the whole movie is such a mess. Like because there's there's literally they had all these ideas, and as I said to you earlier, it's like they threw so much shit at the wall. There was a hope that some of it was going to stick, like, and none of the ideas paid off because when you, when you have so many ideas, just like none of them, like everything's just like, it's like you can't see the wood through the trees. You know what I mean? Like, the only good aspect I can really take from this film, I'd imagine, because of course you build on what you know. There's no doubt in my mind that Spider Man yeah. built on Superman, that it built on Batman. Uh, that you just look at these films and go, right, right. I loved how they did this, and I loved how they did this. Yeah. Um, so this film literally, I think, uh, I, I I told you this earlier, uh, sorry, before we started uh, recording, was that I have used as a, like almost a, as an adjective, was that I Spider-Man 3 it. Yeah. And Spider-Man 3 it would just be like, I went in with uh, higher expectations. Yeah. And, and I told Sheila last night when we watched, before we watched, the, sorry, my fiance Sheila, before we watched the third, sorry, the second Wonder Woman mm. film, that you, specifically you, uh, had put up how much you disliked it and I said look it's not as good as the first film I don't know if it's going to be good or not we go in with open minds but it's our expectations oh, I, I disagree but I yeah. think aspects of it were trash but again see, here's my, sorry yeah. it, it ties right to my point my expectations were lowered yeah. ergo when I went into it I was able to enjoy what I enjoyed and question what I questioned and that was fine for me I just thought like totally side note but Wonder Woman 84 the Patty Jenkins chose the wrong era the wrong tone the wrong bad guy, the <laughs> just used all the actors in the incorrect way. It's like, oh, we're just gonna throw Steve uh, uh, Trevor back in. Oh, uh, she wishes him with a stone. This one wishes this with a stone. And now I'm gonna turn into a wishing stone. That whole film is an absolute travesty. You I didn't don't love it as much as Lorraine definitely loved it and told everyone she loved it. <laughs> but like, I'm not gonna say that I did. But when when you watch one like total side note, but when you watch Wonder Woman one. Compared to Wonder Woman two, it's like no, no, see, uh, it, it's it's another. It's, uh, when you, it actually kind of works when you look at it in comparison to Spider Man three, part one that had one villain. It was the God of War or something. Ares, you know, it was Ares, it was Ares, God yeah. of War, right? Her stepbrother, yeah. yeah. Once again, I, I I think all these superhero movies need one villain. You can have twenty good guys, but you need one villain. You need that lightning rod because you need you can you can play with it. Like if you look at Avengers Endgame and all these other movies, one villain. Like, you have a few B characters, right? You have, like, um, uh, Proximate Midnight and all this. Remember in Endgame and Infinity Wars? And you had, like, you know, all these other side little characters that you had with Thanos. But you need that one villain. Yeah, I can I literally have a hero that has... 12, a hero superhero movie that has 12 heroes in it. Give them, what, 10, 20 minutes each. And you'd be happy with it. Because the villain's nearly more important than the superhero in a lot of these movies. You know what I mean? So, of course like, it is. Anytime... Like, if you have a weak superhero movie, it's because you had a weak villain. You're not wrong, because quite often, like, a, a good guy is just simply the best of us. And that yeah. is just somebody who wants the best for everyone. Flawed in ways, like yeah. their hubris gets them or whatever, but essentially good. Uh, Superman being the most generic of it, yeah. as in Superman's just good, good. Uh, like, you know, I, I, I know, uh, I came across something recently. I don't play board games uh, like Dungeons and Dragons and stuff, but apparently there's, like, neutral good 
yeah. and like chaotic evil. Like and, and the scale would run. Yeah. I think it's a nine scale. Yeah. Like you could be a neutral good. It sounds like, amazing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I, I actually thought like yeah. I, I've heard I, I was watching somebody on YouTube and they, 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 they kind of made a joke of it and like he referred to his girlfriend as like oh she, she's like a chaotic good and she goes like I'm a neutral good <laughs> you know so somebody's just like a little bit mad but mm. really good at heart or somebody's just like the, the, the far scale would be somebody yeah. who's a scumbag but deliberately a scumbag yeah. you know or something like that and it just it just falls into that but a bad guy yeah. can be so many things and a good guy can't not in the superhero like, context it was, remember, it's why Winter Soldier was so well received exactly because you have a, a good bad like you need a good bad guy you know a good I mean? bad guy man. I know it's like it kind of sounds like uh, paradoxical or whatever but you need a good bad guy like the quality but his of, story was complicated yeah. ergo there was a redeemable faction there's, even though he killed there's no like, think about uh, off the top of your head can you tell me a good superhero movie that had a weak villain oh oh wow okay I, I think I'm going to fail, but I also don't want to completely negate the question. Yeah. Uh, sorry, the question was a good superhero film that had a, a weak villain. That had a weak villain. Oh, I, I, like I'm struggling right off the bat, and I've seen. I can't even. Tell I you. actually think I can think of one. Oh, go cool. yeah. Thor Ragnarok. Because Kate Blanchett's villain in that wasn't super. Remember? No, they didn't. And I actually read. Yeah. Uh, he's like in in the comics. Well, actually, uh, most comics I read, I mm. try to read outside of the uh, Marvel DC thing because I, yeah. I just think there's like true genius. Like Transmetropolitan. Transmetropolitan. Why the last man? Why the last man? Oh my god! The, the boys, which is now kind of blowing oh, up. Oh, the boys are series. incredible. Oh but, uh, but Transmetropolitan, yeah. the preacher, uh, oh, all this preacher, kind of stuff. Yeah. But I've read a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of uh, Thor and yeah. Hela being kind of a Satan character yeah. as in like a, a queen of the underworld yeah. death and all of that that didn't touch upon her a tenth as well as yeah. could. and that's to say that Kate Blanchett did a great job yeah, no, it's, good. it's a good example yeah, it's, it's a good film only one so there you go I'll give you, I'll give you that but I wouldn't have thought of it I'm not yeah, trying I was just, I I was just thinking that there because like, like, when you look at most like when you say what's the pinnacle of superhero movies right you talk about Dark Knight yeah you're talking about Endgame Infinity yeah. Wars, so you're talking about Thanos, Joker, Dark Knight is you know what, what I mean? people I think actually go to because it was just I think that, that perfect. I think that is the best superhero movie of all time, the Dark yeah. Knight. Yeah. Like you know what I mean? Like when that's because of the villain. What's the most memorable part about that movie is Heat Ledger's portrayal of Joker. You know what I mean? Like rest in peace. You know what I mean? Like uh, rest in peace. He's one like it's such a huge loss because I would have loved to have seen him mean Joker at least two more times. He at least one. I mean, like, I mean, I want to, I want like to see them bastardize. Like, yeah. they were saying, I thought Magneto was a great villain. But, yeah. But like, when he was still there in the third film, you're like, Magneto was great. But my God, X Men. Like we were talking with the Rogues Gallery, yeah. Spider Man. Without with the exception of Spider Man, yeah. Mister Sinister, Galactus. Apocalypse. Apocalypse. Sorry, no, Galactus is Fantastic Four. Yeah, essentially Fantastic Four. They've all fallen. It's a yeah. Fantastic Four thing. But they have like again Sinister, and they have Apocalypse, and yeah. they have Omega Red, and, and they, they have, have the Sentinels as well. They have the oh, actually yeah. the Sentinels yeah. is excellent because it's a human men creation exactly, to destroy yeah. them. That's their kind of like World War Two. That's their like. Like genocide kind of, yeah, kind of thing yeah absolutely and they you know never I mean? really touched upon it because they just kept going back to McNeil but uh so like do you think like you know what I mean that's that's the problem like when like do you think that's the main issue with Spider-Man 3 so if you look at it we have like, all the issues but the main problem is had a weak villain weak weak villain well, well it was actually like it's not so much weak yeah it's not so much weak villain it's weakly introduced villain because there's nobody yeah. can say that 
Venom's a weak villain. He's the villain. He's yeah. like, like you know what? It's kind of like Jared Leto's Joker. Yeah. He's like, it's oh my god, the Joker's going to be in the film. The yeah. new Joker, like the Joker that took over the the, the mantle from Heat Ledger was yeah. Jared Leto, and they fucked him. And I, I come across stuff on like Reddit or wherever I am, and it's like taking the piss out of Jared Leto. And I was like, dudes, back the fuck off. I was like, of course yeah. he wasn't as good a Joker as Heat Ledger. But he was given a billion of the chances. Yeah. Now, don't get me wrong. I don't think he would be. Yeah. I just I just think he Ledger's god tier. But I just yeah. think he was. You can't look at that and say, "Oh, that's a fantastic crack at the Joker." He yeah. was given and he fucked it up. Jack Nicholson I, and Heath Ledger had cracks yeah, at the Joker. A film like a a crack film. at yeah. the Joker, and they were both brilliant. Yeah, and Jared Leto didn't. He, he just you have to give it to him as well because he made it, his Joker different enough. Yeah, by comparison, exactly. Yeah, and he, and he was not given a fucking yeah. a crack at the whip. And this is Spider Man Three in a nutshell. Yeah. Nobody got given a crack at the whip. I thought that I'm so glad that I didn't love, but I didn't hate yeah. the Venom movie. But I was so glad that Venom has now officially, no matter how you think of it, Venom has had a crack of the whip and there's something to build on. There's yeah. something there to build on, whether they bring, they're going to bring in Carnage, will they cross Spider-Man? I don't know. Yeah. Uh, Spider-Man's doing a lot of interesting things, so I'd honestly not be surprised by anything Spider-Man does. Yeah. But at the same time, I don't know, but Venom exists in a way that I'm okay with and I'm like, fucking finally. I know, like, um, I think once again, we've got another Venom film that <laughs> introduced him really poorly. Because you have, like, the source material says, John Jameson goes up, astronaut, he comes in contact with, he brings it down with him to Earth. Into crashes. The, like, crashes to Earth. Spider-Man saves the day, he comes in contact with the symbiote. That is simplistic, but also excellent storytelling. Yeah, it's comic. It's in comic it, book terms, absolutely. It's so yeah. easy to transport that onto the big screen. You no, start, no, no, why not just, you know what I mean? You start your movie in space, you have a news report. He uses news reports very shoddily in this film. You want to use a news report, here's your news report. You introduce the movie in space, news report tells you how about J. Jonah Jameson's son, John Jameson, the hero astronaut in space, and he's going to be up in space, and you have the, the whole thing, you show him, you go up to space, you have this whole drama of him having a mission or whatever, they're doing something, something goes awry, the loose signal, you can play with it like it's an alien movie, something gets in his suit or something, they bring him back, they lose the sample, all of a sudden they start losing altitude, maybe the thing takes over the ship, they crash that, and how is that not a better opening scene than I'm Spider-Man and he's swinging around the place? He was you know sitting I mean? making out with Mary Jane in a web. You know what I mean? Like, so like, how, like, it's so easy. You're asking me to defend the film I hate, so I'm not going to do it. You know what I mean? <laughs> it, it, it not only writes itself, it's already been written, so just take advantage of that. Like, That's actually I mean? a good point. It's, it's not even that. It's not mm. even that. It's uncreative. It's that it was there, and, yeah. and you had the rights to it. The yeah. literal rights to it. You obviously had the rights to J. Jonah Jameson, J. Jonah Jameson's son, yeah. Spider-Man, and Venom. Yeah, exactly. So, so what? Are you looking for the rights to crash landings? You know what I mean? Like, you so, know what I mean? Like, so like they, like the, everything they had everything there at their disposal. And I think once again, I think just Spider-Man Three is a victim of lazy storytelling. And as, as we said earlier, too many cooks spoils the broth. Like so, like the problem with it is, you have Sam Raimi who couldn't get out of his way, and then I think he just stamped all over whatever Alvin Sargent was trying to write because he kind of he wrote part two. I got that wrong last time. I said David Coeper all, but like. He wrote the, the sequel, and that was a really, really good story. It was really compelling. Like so, when you look at it, we we kind of covered that weak villains make weak superhero movies. So, like, and that was kind of what Spider Man Three was a victim of. So, like, when you go through, is there anything else you would have changed, or was was is there too much to cover to change? Too much cover. Yeah. So, no, there is though. Like, yeah. I mean, even even Spider. I know we kind of. 
gone, come back, and yeah. we formed quite a web. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, nailed it. Um, but, like, no, there's, there's, there's too much. And I'm sure a lot of thought went into it, but it was still somehow very, very thoughtless. Yeah. You know, eventually, I, I do think that it, it stank to me, looking back on it years later, of frustration. I, like, I know that they weren't allowed to write the film that they wrote, and I want that acknowledged. Yeah. They weren't allowed to make the film. The film they wanted to make was never made. There was that much pressure from the studio to wedge in other characters. And they tried their best. And they're, but, they're, but at the same time, you don't get a pass because you're supposed to be good enough to write literal half a billion dollar, yeah. you know, 300 million, 400 million dollar films. You don't get that pass. You just don't, yeah. like, you know. Uh, but if I can't think an aspect of it, that didn't fail. If I was the director of cinematography, the, the director of the special, uh, yeah. special effects in some fashion, I'd, I'd probably be happy with my work because it was very visually yeah, it looked uh, good impressive. At the time. Yeah. But that, uh, with the exception of that, and that's me looking, that's me yeah. digging. Done. Just a bad film, man. Just a terrible zero ten film. And again, the two unforgivable things that just make it impossible for me to take in from it: introduction of Venom and Sandman trying to redeem himself. Done. Yeah. Done. Zeros. Yeah, so like, so the worst thing for you was, like, do you want to go on to the best and worst, or do you, it's All right, okay, yeah, no, let's do yeah. the best and worst. So, I, I'm not sure what I'm going to come up with, but... So, we'll like, it. when we look through the film, right, we always, like, you, you want to find the good amongst the bad, right? So, like, I'm going to start off with the best that we probably touched on earlier on was visually and the action sequences and stuff like that were probably the best acts of, of the whole film. Would you agree on that? Yes. So, like, do you, like, so... When you look at the the advanced and special effects and stuff like that, and how they they kind of amped up the whole like like when he saves Gwen Stacy and he's kind of jumping in amongst the debris, like he's like kind of shows Spider Man's strength and how he uses the environment to his benefit, like you know what I mean. So like the best aspect probably was like of all all the special effect shots because the story was really really weak. So like every part of the story was kind of like the worst nearly for me, but like. So the best part of the story, we're going to go with just the special effects and the action sequences, the whole thing. Yes. So um, what would be your worst part of the story? Okay, uh, well, I suppose not to beat the dead horse, but there was yeah. just this, like, trying to, with exposition, trying to, like, change the shift. And you just don't get to go from, I killed your uncle and I tried to beat you to death, to I have a sick dollar. Yeah. Don't. It's stupid. It's it's quick. It's pointless. It, it, it feels disconjointed from the entire film yeah. uh, and that just tied with how Venom was introduced that that, that was just completely and totally unforgivable again yeah. visually you're watching it in the cinema and you go wow that's cool there was the scene where he fought the new goblin for the first time shooting those the, the, the spider kind of bullets yeah. and stuff like that a lot of that stuff looked really really cool uh, the special effects especially from the time I was blown away by how far it had come from the original Spider-Man yeah. especially seeing him fight a goblin again you know like just mm. that, that, that power set where it was a, a guy on a glider versus Spider-Man um, I thought that was really cool but that's struggling man I am absolutely struggling did you like the way they changed the goblin's suit yeah I thought it looked cool and upgraded yeah. and all yeah. that kind of stuff yeah I, I've no I've no grievances with and um, in comparison to like how the, what did you make of the design of Venom suit Hated, hated everything about it. the whole thing with Venom is that he, there's no like he was supposed to be extremely unesthetically pleasing. He wasn't supposed to just be a Spider Man with this very normal human jawline like that that went a bit further than it should like yeah. uh, with really sharp teeth. I was like, no, it was it's 
an absolute alien slobbering huge tongue that's what Venom was that was so cool about it yeah. so no 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 very very wrong with the visualisations and so did you like the way they manifest this, like the way they brought Sandman to life did you like the way I actually did I did like yeah. the I did like the scene again I, I watched how it should have ended and there was like a uh, there's a, an unknown silicon mass in the, in the machine who's like probably a bird will fly away and the guy's like no Larry yeah. why don't you go and check yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean like, this is a multi-billion dollar project yeah. like you know why don't you go and check and uh, but again I actually thought when he got turned into sand uh, it was cheesy and stuff but it's a it's a, it's a comic book film so uh, you know I, I thought when he was trying to maintain mass yeah. to grab his daughter's locket I thought there was a I thought again this, this, so aside from how they handled the aesthetics of Venom. Where kind you're kind of happy with uh, the way they brought Sandman to life, the new Goblin, the, his new look, um, because the suit was really really atrocious in the first movie, and so once again that kind of leans our special effects and kind of the aesthetics. It looked good, but it wasn't good. You know what I mean? Like greed. So it was uh, it was kind of like that scene where Doc Ock moves up. Remember I said before it's like a uh, visual eye candy. Where there's like a lot of style but no substance. Yeah. And I think that's what Spider-Man 3, I think that's the the main thing to say about it. It's a lot of style but not a lot of substance. Great. And that was probably the worst thing about the movie. The lack of substance that I gave, had in the overall story. And how each character was introduced and how each character was handled. And like, would, that, would you agree with that? Was that your worst? How to handle each and yeah, every character? Yeah, absolutely. Like, was, yeah. So it's it's kind of like, it's kind of hard to find anything good to say about this film. It's a zero of ten. Yeah, it's like, because... Zero stars. No, I'm sorry, yeah. but like, the, what, the, the, again, the stuff that I hated so much yeah. about it, I can't, I can't just measure it against something I liked when I liked something. Kind yeah. of that, like, okay, they did okay. And then there was something that I found so absolutely abysmal that, no, you don't get to tack on a star for yeah. this. In fact, this is a minus two. Like they, yeah, they. Uh, but if you were to look at it objectively, like without the expectation, do you think he'd be as equally as harsh in the movie? You know what? For the sake of absolute honesty, I just don't think I can. Yeah. You know, I just don't. I'm going to answer honestly. I don't. I don't, I don't factored, know if I can. Because yeah, the expectation had the movie. The expectation of the movie is it's factored it, into your opinion. Absolutely factored yeah. into my opinion. Yeah, yeah. Like you're talking to a big Spider-Man fan, but you're also talking to a big Venom fan. Yeah. And you're also talking to a guy who was who was coming of age during the making of these films. Yeah. Like these were the big superhero films of the time. So yeah, no, it, it'd be impossible for me if I watched a film now. Yeah. Uh, like, Gar like I watched a Guardians of the Galaxy and I was like, I enjoyed this one. I thought the second one wasn't great. And I was like, I'm like the second one had uh, like some yeah. weird stuff. I thought it was okay. Like a mogul on the planet and all that yeah. kind of stuff. And I thought... I didn't like that as much. Yeah, I didn't like fine. Uh, yeah, I wasn't, I wasn't crazy yeah. about it. But at the same time, fine. Yeah. So I can't. I just... I, I, I simply... Um, too invested and even retroactively invested from back in the day yeah. to actually answer the question honestly but I think I should at least be honest about that yeah exactly I get you like it, it is hard to be objective because when you're our expectations were ridiculously high from part one and two and like we were really really hoping that this was going to be a slam dunk and it wasn't like and even as <laughs> it wasn't a slam dunk yeah like and as I said to you, when we look back even now it still is disappointing like because even when you talk about it you're like what if this and we could have done this better and this could have happened differently and you could have had more Spider-Man movies and like there was like and I think as I said to you earlier the, our disappointment was amplified because the X-Men trilogy uh, had a terrible last outing with X-Men Last Stand and Blade Trinity, uh, Blade Trinity was awful so like in the space of a few years you went from having a, like a glut of savage superhero movies to all oh, these trilogies ending terribly 
and then like you're like you didn't know what was going to come next you, you know, know what I mean like, so and I think like maybe Spider-Man X-Men and Blade, Tr- uh, Blade Trinity I think the reason people hate them so much is because you had so like all this expectation built up from the previous two yeah Blade Tree deserves to be fair like if yeah. you told me at the end of Blade 2 that the Blade Tree was going to be Dracula yeah yeah exactly. you know I thought it would have been yeah. cool and the, no it was bollocks and the way they portrayed Dracula was terrible like with Dominic Purcell like you know like they probably could have used him better, like maybe or cast someone differently, and they had like uh, the Pomeranian was like a reaper and stuff. It was atrocious, like, and that's what I'm saying. It was like, a clusterfuck. Like, yeah, I just think you had like before that, our expectations were up so high when you had X Men One, X Men Two, Blade One and Two, and Spider One and Two, and then all those three trilogies ended terribly, and so I think that's why they're judged so harshly when you look back because every time you look back, you're just like, what if it could have been so much better? There could have been so many better movies. And like an end of the trilogy and an end of like a series that probably could have gone on for two more movies if it was handled correctly because Tobey Maguire is the right age, Sam Raimi had the right amount of interest and the right amount of fundings there. So like, I don't know. Like, what do you have anything else to say about this, or it's just kind of <laughs> hard to think of anything? To no, say. no, it's a mercy killing. Yeah. It needs to be done. So like, what we're gonna do is we're just gonna leave it there, and um, we'll be back next time. I'm not sure when we'll be back with the lockdowns and stuff coming into effect. So, well, into effect tonight, apparently. So we yeah. just got hit with it. So, right. Um, I'm, in, I'm your host, Vincent Green. This was the Spider Fan Family Hour. And Noel, say goodbye. I was the real host. Goodbye. Yeah. <laughs> so, this was a, a hard one to do and a hard one to talk about. But um, we'll be back next time and hopefully with some better movies to talk about. Good luck, Noel. Peace out. Lorraine. Bye. Good luck. We'll see you next time. Peter, what are you doing? No!